Hey, Tarden to the party. He's Bill Mudder. I'm Danny Bruce. Bill Pops is your host. He's pissing me with the first time around. I don't think anybody's missed this movie the first time around, though, or any time around. Yeah, if you've been alive during Christmas time in the last 50, 60 years, you've seen what we're talking about today. I, had you not seen this before? I saw it I, probably like, I don't know, about 30 years ago when there was nothing else on TV to watch during this time. Okay, I didn't even know you'd seen even seen that much. I mean, you knew enough to, right before we recorded, you sent me a link to... Was it the old Saturday Night Live skit where they do like the 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 uh, like the newly discovered ending to It's a Wonderful Life where they all beat the shit out of Mr. Potter? Um, mm-hmm. So you knew enough to yeah to, to remember that. Um, yeah, <laughs> this is my pick. I chose this out. I pulled this out of my ass at the last minute because it's covered in feces. It's covered in poop. I'm not gonna say because I had do generally love this movie, but uh, yeah, no. Uh, this yesterday was my birthday. And I was dying for something. I was trying to figure out what can we do for Christmas. You were like, I just really want to stick it to Daniel on my birthday. <laughs> what can we do for Christmas? That I, because I knew whatever, because the way I, I almost end up, we, we record on Sunday mornings. I always end up watching what we're, whatever we're going to talk about the Sunday night before we record on Sunday morning. And so I knew I didn't want to spend my Saturday of my birthday because yesterday was my 45th birthday. And I was like, what do I want to be watching on my birthday that could be potentially Christmas-related that's not going to make me want to kill myself, ironically enough? And I was like, fine, fuck it, I've seen it before, but it's a wonderful life. Because also, also, you know, because it was my birthday, I thought it was kind of thematically appropriate, because I'm very appreciative of my life. And after this year we've been living in, I'm actually just like, oh my god. I, I would not blame anyone for wanting to throw themselves off a bridge after this year. But, like, I just I thought it was a combination of timely and appropriate. And just so. Yeah, it's a wonderful life. Mm-hmm. Um, even though you're into old-timey shit, you're not into this. I mean, I know you're, you're, you're obviously not into Christmas shit. But I thought, because this movie has nothing to do with Christmas until the last ten minutes of the movie. I thought this might be a little bit more palatable maybe for you, maybe? Yeah, you remember the last Frank Capper <laughs> movie we did? Yeah, well, it was, uh... God, yeah, it was a Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, right? Uh-huh. And I did that on the eve of the 2016 election, and I fucked us on that, because I cursed uh-huh. the election. Did you not like that? No! Okay, I love Frank Capra. <laughs> well, I love It's a Wonderful Life, but... <laughs> Are you not a friend? No, God, apparently not. <laughs> was it Uncle Billy? There was something else, someone else that was in this movie. I was like, oh yeah. I was freaking out because someone... Oh, it's, uh, yeah, no, Clarence the Angel. He shows up in The Invisible Man. And I remember in The Invisible Man, I was like, oh, that's Clarence from It's a Wonderful Life. The Angel. Mm. Maybe one day we'll talk about that. I think in The Invisible Man, you were like, fuck no. If we ever do It's a Wonderful Life, I'm going to shoot myself. So here mm. we are. Talking here we about are. The Immortal 1946 Frank Capra classic starring Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed and... Lionel Beloved Bear because Boy. you saw it during Christmas time. Yeah. That's, as a kid. I did not watch this. I did not sit down and watch this movie until I was like maybe in my mid 20s because, it, you know, it was always on TV, but it always seemed super schmaltzy and shit. And I was like, it always seemed too Christmassy, whereas like I love Christmas, but like just because so many old people were into it, I was like, ah, this seems fucking stupid. But then I actually sat down and watched it one day. I was like, holy shit, this is just more just about a biography of this guy flushing his mm-hmm. life down the toilet uh, for the benefit of these quote-unquote garlic eaters in, in his town. 
And uh, it is, and it's also become fashionable of late of people to be like fucking, especially like fucking YouTubers and being all like, did you know It's a Wonderful Life is actually a dark fucked up movie? It's like, yeah, no shit. You're not blowing anyone's minds by pointing out that like, It's a Wonderful Life is actually not that much about Christmas and that is actually kind of depressing. But like, that's not the reason I think it's good. I just, I just love the, the, I love the little hermetically sealed environment in which this movie takes place in. I love the Like, the guys who wrote Back to the Future were obviously influenced by this movie where it like, takes place in this small town with all these small moving parts comprised of all these little background characters who no one ever shows up without setting up something that's going to get paid off later in the film. I love movies like that. Where it creates this little environment with all these, like, yeah, with all these great little, like, like little side characters who all have a part to play and who all show up later. And it creates this very kind of, like, little toy model world that is very kind of, like, I don't know, some kind of comforting or something like that. And... Yeah, I kind of like that, but I, you have nothing to say, so I guess I, I guess might as well start talking about the movie because I guess this if it's this episode's gonna be monologuing to myself, I guess. <laughs> no, I got plenty to say. Yeah, so yeah, it starts off. I mean, the, actually, the most Christmas thing in the movie is the opening credits, where mm. it's all like, well, it's a buffalo. At least it's not Christmas music. It's just the Buffalo Gals will come out tonight music over mm-hmm. like an open book full of shitty Christmas pictures. And yeah. that's that's the kind of shit when I would watch the shit as a kid. I'm like, what fucking crappy old people bullshit is this? It smells. This movie already smells like grandma's feet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you can stick around, you find out it's it's about Jimmy Story getting fucked in the ass by fate. Um, uh, so what happens? What happened? Well, you are now in Bedford Falls. Thank you for the warning. Mm-hmm. Look at all the beautiful asbestos snow. Oh, I forgot. It's it starts down. off with the prayers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody's praying for old George Bailey. Yeah, this oh, is not man, the best start to, because everyone's like, Oh, please, baby Jesus, help, help daddy. Mm-hmm. It's like, what's wrong with George Bailey? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So then we go up into the sky and some sh- like, uh, BC stains talk to each other. <laughs> I don't know what, I mean, I know this, they're supposed to be constellations, but. This is weird, because yeah. it's the it's like St. Uh-huh. Joseph and shit talking to each other, but they didn't want to just make it, I kind of appreciate it's not like all Christ-like imagery, but is galaxies talking to each other in front of like a mystery science theater moon that kind of travels past the camera? And oh, it's so good in black and white. You can see <laughs> all the two Man, colors. if you think this is nasty, you should see some of the colorized versions of this thing where everyone just looks like they were colored in by some kid with crayons. Yeah. Oh my I god. I saw somebody on Reddit like used computer AI to colorize a scene from Psycho and it looked like shit and everybody in the comments was like, wow, this looks great! Yeah, with technology that's so good that like you could put Carrie Fisher's face onto someone's body in a porno and it'll look like photorealistic. You think like colorizing technology... That's horrible. Where can I find that? <laughs> I'm trying to think of like, yeah. <laughs> but you think colorizing technology would have gotten better, but no, it's still fucking bullshit. Um... But yeah, I guess they didn't want to just, like, have a bunch of actors sitting on a cloud on a soundstage. So it's, yeah, these animated galaxies, and they're talking about how George Bailey is going to throw the most precious gift of life away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Summon Clarence the Angel. He's an idiot, rabbit-minded <laughs> baby child, This motherfucker cannot get his wings. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh. that's the whole dynamic. And even because even, they're, like, in order to catch him up to speed, this is the whole movie. 
It's these angels yeah. telling this life story of Jimmy Stewart to this Clarence the Angel. He's not even a galaxy. He's a tiny little star. He's a fucking idiot. Everyone hates him. Yeah. But yeah. They tell him we only got an hour to get acquainted with him. You think they spend more than an hour getting acquainted <laughs> with him? If that were so, this movie would be ninety minutes long. Granted, it's not that That'd long. It's so a much over better. Two hours, but yeah, that's not so long when it feels like an eternity. Time passes differently for Galaxy <laughs> Angel. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess so. Hey, some boys are sledding on a totally not set. No siree Bob, not a set at all. And these are the old, like, this is like Mr. Burns as a kid shit. This old-timey 1919 Schmitty. We're gonna go sled riding on a shovel. And Schmitty, we got these little hats. And yeah. Mm -hmm. They all sled onto some ice from a hill. This is, you know, George, the main character, his brother does it too. He falls in some water. But George was there to save him. But he got sniffles and got his ear got... He deafened in left ear. Yeah. Very sad. Which that's Much gonna crying. be the, one of the big things. Yeah, like I said, nothing in this happened movies happens in this movie without being paid off later. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The end. That, aside from him saying, huh? <laughs> nothing really happens with him oh, being no, deaf but with like, that when ear. he like I, uh, gets I guess unborn, he doesn't go to have he, can he doesn't hear have to get in ear. World War Two. And also it's actually you know what, it's actually kind of a clever the movie thinks it's a clever excuse him not having an ear. As an excuse as to why he's 4F so he can't go into World War II. Even though the character, by the time World War II starts, is like 35 years old. So he's hey, not going to be like who's fighting infantry. Like, guess who's in their mid-40s when they show up when they're 19? <laughs> the world's oldest teenager! <laughs> That's one of the things, like, like the time... Try to pay attention to the timeline. was like 38 <laughs> years old when he's playing a fucking 21-year-old. I, I had to look up the timeline last night to be like, okay, how young is Jimmy Stewart, Stewart supposed to be This in the first scene that Jimmy Stewart's... Was, he's supposed to be 21, I think. Uh -huh. And I'm like... <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. Okay. Much believable. God, I guess you could go back and actually use AI technology to actually kind of de-age Jimmy Stewart in this movie. Anyway. <laughs> it was the 1940s, so everybody always looked like they were That's actually, decrepit and that old. That could be, maybe, yeah, exactly. Actually, there's no performer in this movie who's over 18 years old. Everyone, just because it's the 1940s, <laughs> everyone's just extra just haggard and tired. And, yeah. God. So it was a while before he could go back to his drugstore job he had as an 11-year-old, so... <laughs> Has a different time, and he's totally also there's yeah, there's the richest and meanest man in town, Mr. Potter, more like Mr. Pooper. <laughs> oh, and that gets because he goes, uh, fucking so kid, uh, Jimmy Story, he works as a kid in Gower's drugstore. I don't know if you wanted to jump that quickly because the reason Mr. Potter gets no, gets uh, he's well, it's Mr. Gower, he's gotten a telegraph that his son has died from the Spanish flu epidemic. Of 1919, which is just funny because I've seen a lot of people talk about how exactly 100 years ago, we're living in the middle of the COVID pandemic right now, so it's kind of funny how exactly 100 years ago, there was a Spanish flu epidemic that was killing all tons of people and stuff like that. And Mr. Gower, he's all drunk and fucked up, and he doesn't realize... How can you tell his drinking so subtle? <laughs> Literally the first shot in the movie, he's pulling a tug from like a bottle of moonshine, and he's like, Georgie, go get the, get the medicine and take it over to the people. And like, I guess, I, this movie suggests he's making his own pills? Not just like, can, he's confused poison pills with medicine pills, but hey, like, wait a second, he's wait filled a second. the capsules I know, I... with poison. I know I said I didn't mind if you jump straight to that, but you can't skip the fantastic acting of the kids, given the the coconuts. Oh, you don't know what a coconut is. Hey, brainless. Hey, <laughs> brainless. This little son of a bitch. This little haughty motherfucker. <laughs> George, is, 
This movie does a terrible job of making George likable. Son of a bitch gives that motherfucker poor girl. She's like, I don't want coconuts. And he says, mm-hmm. fuck it, I'm putting, dumping 10 tons of coke. He does put 10 tons of coconuts on her. I fucking hate coconut. Every time coconut- I watch that scene, I want to fucking throw a brick through the TV. You know, the only thing that's worse on desserts than walnuts is coconut. Because it's just like eating hair. It overpowers everything, yeah, too. Yeah, he, he dumps, if you know, I mean, they don't make a big business out of it, but if you pay attention to what he's doing, he just dumps, it's mostly what he's handed her was a it's, bowl of coconut with a little bit of ice cream it's underneath. It's gross, man. What? Well, oh, he does man. that because he's all like, hey, brainless, I'm part of the National Geographic Society. Well, then this is, that's when they're setting up the whole thing that he wants to go off and fight lions oh, I'm and gonna travel the, the world. Yeah, sure. It is. It's cute that he pulls out a copy of the National Geographic and he's like, hey, Brindley, so I'm nominated for uh, entrance into the National Geographic Society. Because that was something I would do as a kid. Because I would be mm. like, oh, here's this super cool thing that only I could have. I was invited to become a member of the Nintendo Power Subscription Club. I just bought a copy of <laughs> Nintendo Power. I would totally do the same thing with National Geographic if that was the only thing I had to read as a kid. But anyway, mm. so yeah, he gets pulled away by that Mr. He's supposed to go deliver drugs. Turns out Mr. Gower's actually... Sw- Po- uh, sw- well, he's... poison for the pills that he's supposed he to deliver. He doesn't pay him to be a canary. You stop that. Li- listen, Is that you what know, beats the twisting? shit out of... No, no. that's no. later when he comes he's back. He's looking all weepy. Yeah. And it was a telegram that he left conveniently right next to where George <laughs> was making ice cream. And the cream. camera zooms in and it does like the iris in effect just to highlight. Yeah. Well, the light mm-hmm. shines on the text just to be like, your son has died. And yeah. George goes to drop him. That drunk old man's dropping pills all over the place. Pills that have big... Huge letters written on the back of the bottle that says poison. Yeah. Well, it's this not is, subtle yeah. or anything. It's not like he picks up a bottle and says, This is. It bad. doesn't even say what why, kind of. What are they going to do? Why does what it are they tr- gonna do? Also, Who's yeah. going to get a prescription for poison? There's no label telling you what the poison is, just that it's poison. Why does a druggist need a giant jar of just poison? <laughs> like, I don't know. I think that maybe that he's saving that. Maybe they've got a rat problem so, at, the, at the pharmacy or something. But yeah. So George is like, man, I don't know what to do about this poison. Should I let him poison <laughs> someone? And he sees a sign that says, just ask dad. Turns so out he George, runs all the way across George town. Bailey is scorchingly racist. And he's like, well, this is going to an Indian family by the corner. Could we do without them? I guess. I don't know. So, yeah, he sees a sign in the pharmacy that says, go ask dad. He knows. And so he runs mm-hmm. back to the uh, yeah, the Bailey and Brothers savings and loan that his dad runs. Yeah. yeah. And he's told that his dad's in an important meeting, but he just goes in anyway and keeps being like, dad, 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 dad. evil Mr. Potter yeah. is in there. I'm sorry for Ooh. being quiet for a moment because I'm scanning through the movie. But yeah, he's having a meeting with Mr. Potter. Mr. Potter's just doing a thing of just like, I want to be evil. I'm evil. <laughs> <laughs> and, and George's dad is just like, how about you not be, how about you be only 95% evil? And Mr. Potter's like, no, I want to be 100% evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then um, Mr. Potter says something about his dad being not the coolest, and George is all, "Well, boy, howdy, my dad sure. How dare you, sir? You tell my him, dad's Pop. the coolest guy around." <laughs> and so, yeah, that's our introduction to the main villain of the goddamn thing. And George Bailey just decides to go back to the drugstore and not give a child poison pills. Yeah. Good job, George. You really had to think about that one. <laughs> See, he's in a position of power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're being, so, we're being a little cinema sins about it, but like, yeah. 
George Bailey's first boss. He doesn't want to rat him out, and he's not quite sure what's going on, because I, I don't know if it's insinuating so that... I don't know if the movie's insinuating that Mr. Gower has always been an alcoholic, or if he's just drunk on this one day because of his son being dead. So I don't know what George's long-term relationship is with Mr. Gower. Mr. Gower beats the shit out of him until his... Well, he comes it's back and he's like, you haven't delivered those pills yet, what are you doing? He slaps the fucking shit out of this kid so hard his ears bleed. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know if they're suggesting, like, his ears bleeding because that's his deaf ear. Maybe that's more delicate than the, I don't know, it's really weird, but he's, it is kind of sad because he's like, oh, Mr. Mr. Gow, you, you poisoned him, I tell you, I tell you, you poisoned him. And he totally turns an old You don't know what kid. you're doing. I tell you, I tell you. And then, a I, holiday classic. That's, yeah, seriously, only five minutes of this movie. Mr. Gower does realize what he does. <laughs> the words F bring up on screen. Fa la 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 la. It's he does that. Mr. Gower does that time-honored movie thing where you have to test if something is poisoned by eating the poison, <laughs> which I've never understood. <laughs> he puts that. it in his mouth and says, "By God, that does taste like poison." <laughs> he swirls his finger around his we mouth and just goes. <laughs> Go just read the bottle that says poison on it in gigantic exactly, block letters. Yeah. But he does fall into his knees and he's all like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I do like, like, jo little George Bailey is so freaked out. He doesn't know what's, he thinks he's going to get hit again. But Mr. Gower, like, falls on his knees and gives him a hug. And that's the end of the scene. But... Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, yeah, then we flash forward to the world's oldest 21-year-old. <laughs> yeah. With his, who's, who's already got gray pubes. Mm-hmm. Dude, what do you think of Jimmy Stewart You know, Stewart because 20-something... 20-something-year-olds do not wear bow ties. Well, 19-whatever the hell. I'm trying to think if... This is 1928. This is... Yeah, 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 because... Oh, I forgot, like, half the movie takes place during this one night. It's the night mm. that his... Uh, he is... He's about to go traveling while his little brother... It's his graduation night, I guess? Yeah. From high school? Uh, mm -hmm. yeah, so we start off George Bailey, he's about to, he's at the, uh, luggage store, and he's describing Talking how about. he wants big, Joe versus the volcano, yeah. Oh, he wants the biggest suitcase, so the guy gives him a medium-sized suitcase. <laughs> and George and... Bailey punches him. Don't you know who <laughs> George... I am? I'm the son of the man who runs the tiny and useless savings and loan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so he gets a suitcase. The old man that he smacked the shit out of him earlier bought it for him. What a great guy. I man. do like it's already paying, the movie's already setting off and pay, setting up and paying off things like that. Granted, we're only 10 minutes in, but like, and then they would go and back and see I, Mr. Gower's know, actually cleaned up and nice and happy and stuff. We, yeah, but we both saw him in that drugstore not five minutes ago. This dude did not live to see another 10 years or however many <laughs> well, years. Well, then also, this is what? This is like 10 years after that first flashback. And this is what? Only 1928? So there's still another 20 years left to go that he's still hanging around. Little yeah. George Bailey has turned from a tadpole into a 48-year-old man, but Mr. Gower <laughs> never changes. He's completely immortal. Nobody else changes in this movie. Oh, they do the most old-timey shit. Like, when George goes back into Mr. Gower's, there's, like, a lighter thing. And I guess the idea is you're supposed to put your... Oh, yeah. Well, if, you're, if you can light it and while making a wish, your wish will come true. And he goes, hot dog! And it's the most uh -huh, old-timey Mr. Burns, like... You think that that's gonna be something because they do it like two that's or three times. That's one of the few things now, in the movie that's it's not like a setup or payoff. It's just kind of showing though that's just something I guess he's been doing his whole life though. Yeah, I guess. It's weird to he think walks too. Around. It's this movie came out in, what 1946, and it's wild to think this flashback takes place in 1928, which to us would be like if we were just flashing back to like when the Xbox 360 first came out. <laughs> like, no, 20 years ago was 1996. Bill, come on now. 
thing. Shut up. What? Come what on, don't is? do this to me. <laughs> don't do this to me. Oh god. So <laughs> anyway, but yeah, it's uh, we just kind of anyway. get well acquainted with. The rest he walks of the around town and everybody's like, George, I love you. Can I suck your cock, George? Oh, you're the best. Yeah, he Can meets, I give you a massage? He meets uh, mm, was it Ernie, Ernie the cab driver, Bert the cop, uh, Violet the town whore, I guess. From the oh, way the she's movie. so wet. Oh, man, she wants him so bad. I, it is very cute when she shows up and she's like, oh, this is the little thing. I wear this whenever I don't care how I look. And a guy almost gets hit by a car because he's ogling at her. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, this is just, uh, I can't remember what, what George Bailey's all gusset up about but he's just like yeah he's gonna travel oh that's what it is everyone's hunting him down to say goodbye because he's about to leave on some kind of big worldwide trip that's what it is so that's why everyone's like throwing themselves at his feet to be like hey i'm this character i love you so much george bailey yeah yeah and so he goes home and his brother's dressing for his graduation party and I, I, I legitimately snorted at the idea this dude's supposed to be in his early 20s which was even a little brother uh, yeah, I guess. The actor who is himself yeah, is also yeah. like 30 years old. Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's little on that. He's but two Jim- feet taller, uh, two feet shorter <laughs> than, than fucking eight feet tall James Stewart. Jimmy, but... Jimmy Stewart is, is, is more, just because it's so outlandish. Because he's, he's only five years, he's actually just the younger brother of the of He the was only two months father. away from reading that poem on, on, on the talk show about his dead dog. <laughs> what? He filmed this. <laughs> what? Under th- you don't know that one. No, he wrote a poem on, a on uh, 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 Jimmy Carson. That's one of the Jimmy Stewart's most famous drink. things. I feel he... like I'm losing my mind right now. <laughs> what? No, that's one of the most famous things old Jimmy Stewart did was he went on, on oh, uh, no, that uh, Jimmy like... Carson. Jimmy I can already I say hear, that right. I can already hear. And the reading clip. a poem about his dead dog. I can already hear the clip of Krusty putting his hands over his face, going, "Oh, this is always death." Yeah. Let just, me see if I can is find it. It's not supposed to be funny, though. It's supposed to be, like, modeling. No, no, like, no. Did he write this? Dead did he write dog. the poem? Because I can't Stewart imagine Jimmy Stewart was any kind of a... touching poem about oh, his no. dead dog. Oh, no. <laughs> this... Boo on Jimmy Carson I like Jimmy Stewart. Show. This might make me like Jimmy Stewart less <laughs> if he thought he could just waste ten minutes of the American public's time by reading his poem about his dead Let dog. Let me see if I can find it for his you. dead you know, dog. Like... So how's everyone else doing? If you're watching, listening to our podcast, <laughs> Merry Christmas, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, won't, we, won't, we won't watch that now, so I'll just send it to you later so you can be horrified. I mean, that sounds <laughs> about... You know what? I'm just genuinely surprised as someone who's into old-timey shit and who's actually... Which is funny, because I call myself a Jimmy Stewart fan, but I'm really just a fan of Jimmy Stewart in this movie. It's not like I'm... Like, I've never seen, like, Vertigo or anything like that, but... Yeah, no, no, I've never heard about that, but that sounds... That sounds right for some old-timey Hollywood person to suddenly be like... Jimmy Carson. <laughs> We're calling him Jimmy, Jimmy Carson. <laughs> Johnny Carson. Let me waste ten minutes of your time by talking about my dead dog. Yeah, well. mm-hmm. Anyway, so yeah, George Richard Bailey. He has a heart to heart with his dad because he's about to go off and go on a trip. But his dad's like, "Hey, did you ever think about if after you're done going on your trip, you would come back here?" Oh, I, I think he's he's supposed to be going on a trip, and then he's supposed to be going off to college. That's what it is. Because his dad's like, yeah, did you ever yeah, think yeah, about yeah. after and you go to college, you would come back here I've and take over the same I've been shaving up my pennies every day. I go on a trip. He does. I do like he's. I do like the little bit where he's like, Dad, I want to blow your mind, but I think you're a swell guy. And the dad's like, oh, shucks and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, and there's all this business about like Harry, his little brother. He's like stealing all the plates to go take it off. To, and, 
And they've got, oh man, they've got a slightly unfortunate black servant lady who's a little too, like, yeah. wow, you crazy kids, and blah, blah, blah. The uh, one person in the movie who's not white is uh, there. Yeah, cool, which cool, 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 I get cool, cool, that was cool, a thing, cool. but it's uh, it is honky <sighs> Christmas. But also, you think his dad would be rocking it if they can afford like a maid? Yeah, and they got this huge house, which kind yeah. of undersells. I mean, I guess this is the idea of what the middle class was like in 1928. True. But still, it's, yeah, especially if, if they're positioning the Bailey family as being these, like, super broke underdogs. But they've got a fucking maid, for Christ's sakes almighty. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but, yeah, so George and his brother don't realize it, but this is the last hey, conversation also, they'll ever have with also their dad. Somebody forgot that you don't have to eat in a movie while you're talking at a dinner <laughs> table. You can just, like, move the food around in the air and not eat it. No, this is back in the day where you'd have to eat a whole turkey dinner <laughs> while <laughs> doing stuff, but yeah. Um, so... So, to reinstate Potter is nasty and evil. His dad works at the bank, and they talk about that, and he was hoping George would work at the bank yeah. too someday, but he's got big plans. I do like, travel he world season, Yeah, he kind of accidentally insults his dad a little bit, like, I can't imagine wasting my life, like, trying to save, like, one penny on the dollar on a length of pipe. And he does understand he's kind of accidentally slagging on what his dad's decided to do. <clears throat> But that's when he turns around and says, "Like, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to blow your mind, but I think you're a swell guy and stuff like that." I show swell. Yeah. Well, he's got to go get dressed for Harry's party. Yeah. It's gonna be a hoot. And the party it's, is, I guess, yeah, uh, I guess it's a graduating class of 1928. And it's a very busy jam pack for a town of 50 people. <laughs> that's a good point. I guess actually, everybody in this town is graduating. Everybody between the ages of 12 and 42 are at this like high school graduation party at at this mm -hmm. gymnasium. Where they have just saved a whole bunch of money by, instead of building a new building with a pool, they've decided to build a pool under the gymnasium floor, and it's got a that which, famous 1928 technology. Which I guess is actually a real thing. They shot this at the. I was reading about this last night. This is actually a real thing. This is the Beverly Hills High School gymnasium. They did have a. The, the, this is actually from like the 1920s. I mean, this obviously is being sh shot in the 40s, but I guess the school did have. Man, how many workers do you think got ground up putting that thing well, in? Well, the wild thing I was like, how? That seems like a really big, expensive piece of equipment to have like this like retractable floor in a high school gymnasium. And I was like, that shit must be shut down. No, I guess not only not only does the high school and its gymnasium still exist, but I guess the floor is still retractable, at least as of 2013. I'm like, well, hats off to those 1920s engineers. They actually did build a retractable floor that still operates almost a century later. Because that, that was going to be one of the things I was going to joke about on the podcast is like, yeah, how how long is that shit gonna last? Especially like water and wood involved. Do you think that shit would rust and warp out of? Oh, we're spending way too much time talking about the retractable floor. <laughs> it's a wonderful life. But there's a whole thing, Jimmy Stewart. He's at the dance. Um, somebody mentions like one of his friend's little sister has come back. I think she just graduated from high school and come back or something. Like that. I can always tell when you really like a movie. Yeah. Because I don't know why I bother taking notes when you like a movie of the blow by blow because you just go. Well, no, I just wanted to get out of it because we could spend all day talking about the goddamn retractable floor. So yeah, no, anyway. no, no. I mean, you do the you start talking about the scenes as they come because you're watching it and everything. I don't care. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Did you recognize? There's a uh, so fucking. Well, you gonna go to your. I'll interject. Okay, I do that. <laughs> you do that, the dingy. 
Yeah, as you said, a guy, some guy wants him to dance with his kid sister, Mary. That's what it was, for, yeah. They're wet for each other straight away because in this town of 50 people, I guess they've never noticed each other before. Yeah, except for the one time he yelled at her for not liking coconuts and forced her to eat like a giant pile of coconuts. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm surprised. I didn't. For the way this <gasps> movie could bring <gasps> stuff back, I'm surprised he doesn't call her brainless again. Uh, Bill! Yeah. A Charleston contest! <laughs> Oh boy! You no, know, it's not again. This is like right now. If they were at like a Halo Halo Three tournament, like that's oh, totally man. like oh. what it, da, 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 da. Hey, well, there's a whole thing about how we get to spend a lot of time watching this, don't we? <laughs> All right. It is this, cool. This, this dance sequence alone is part of the reason why this movie's over two hours long. Uh, but so there's one guy, I guess, who wanted to dance with Donna Reed. He's all butt hurt. Uh, I don't know if you recognize this guy as you being a fan of old-timey shit. I think you would have maybe recognized this guy. The guy who's all butthurt, uh, he goes, he's like sulking off in the corner. And another guy comes by and says, hey, did you know like the butt next to you retracts that retractable floor and will dump everyone into the pool? Turns out the guy who's like, oh, that's a good idea. I'm going to, I'm going to fuck everyone up on this dance floor just to get back at George Bailey. That is fucking alfalfa. From the mm. Little Rascals cartoons. Not cartoons, but the little, little fucking, yeah. yeah. And also, huh. actually, <laughs> I, re I just realized if I wanted to... I could make this an alfalfa Christmas if the next movie I choose is White Christmas. Because he has a very tiny photographic cameo in White Christmas 2, alfalfa does. Uh, but... So this is the one that Mo didn't kill. I was, I knew you were going to make a joke like that. I was just like, <laughs> when I was watching this last night, I was like, a note to self, got to remember to make sure I mentioned the little rascals thing. Something, something Moses lack. Yeah. <laughs> I knew you would know. Yeah. Uh, there was something else. I think like it was Mr. Gower. I was reading in the cast list. There was like one of the older actors had actually been someone who had shown up in a whole bunch of little rascals. Had you seen actually that much in the way of little rascals stuff? Or do you just know it? Just we from... watched it every Sunday morning. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I had seen little rascal shorts, but I didn't like grow up watching a ton of them, but I know all the different characters and stuff like that. But it's funny to think that like this movie's old enough that it just like alfalfa is just like a teen. Well, he actually seems kind of like he's probably 42 in this, but he's actually seems. Oh, yeah. He's one of the few people in this movie that actually looks like he could be a teenager but mm. anyway so yeah he retracts the floor uh, and everybody it. notices and steps away except for George <laughs> because I guess deaf ear and also he couldn't feel it's, the floor moving underneath his feet yeah they're doing that thing for to make the joke work the two people involved have to have to not notice the obvious As everybody thing screams and they're just like screaming. wow people really like our dance to, yeah, to make the joke work Donna Reed and James Stewart have to keep on like staring at their own feet not look around to see what's happening they have they suddenly lose all situational awareness but suddenly they do tumble back and, and yeah the, they <laughs> just keep they keep dancing in the water, and everybody's like, that looks like fun, and they jump in and dance in the water, too. <laughs> I wonder if people who research, like, like pop culture memes, I wonder where this sits in terms of, like, the thing of, because, like, <laughs> uh, people start, like, well, Donna Reed and fucking James Stewart, they fall into the fucking water, but then everyone else starts to jump in, and even, yeah, like... Yeah, and then Alfalfa starts to retract it, and everybody gets trapped and dies. <laughs> He starts making, mmm, I'm a hungry floor. I'm going to eat everybody. <laughs> Big monster man, he just grinds everyone in, in his high school graduating mm -hmm. class into a pulp. Murders an entire generation of Bedford Falls people. And uh, <laughs> that's great. I love that's a good horror movie, horror villain origin story. <laughs> um, and I especially love the I, the, I love the picture of everyone in the water being, oh, no, we're going to be eventually crushed to death. 
in five mm -hmm. minutes as the floor slowly. Uh, everybody would have gotten out except for Jimmy Stewart and Mary because they would have just still kept dancing. dancing. Yeah, exactly. Derf, derf, derf. But the movie totally does that thing too, where even like the guy who's like in charge of judging the the the, the dance contest is all like, "Oh, what are we doing?" And then suddenly he's like, "Well, might as well jump in." Derf. And like, yeah, this has got to be one of the first cinematic instances of that like outraged uh, person of influence suddenly goes. I can't beat him, I might as well join him. Mm. And then he jumps in the water, mm. it's all very cute and that's, so yeah. Mm. Dun dun dun. So they got, they walking home now, Marion and uh, George. Yeah, the cutest wearing, scene in the movie. They wearing clothes from the sports zones, because theirs got all <laughs> wet. I do like, I... They, did, they only gave her a robe, though, because they knew her, her bottoms would just be soaked. Anyhow, walking home with good old George. <laughs> give you any clothing back because I know you were just you're gonna get so juiced up by hanging mm -hmm. out with Jimmy Stewart dressed as Goofy from a football cartoon. <laughs> I've never seen a human being who has looked more like the 1920s than Jimmy Stewart in this goofy ass literally goofy as in the objective and the cartoon character 1920s fucking football outfit with his big big boat shoes and it's fucking hilarious. Yeah and I guess I guess Mary is just naked <laughs> under her yeah. robe, which that seems. Why like didn't she get a football outfit too? I mean, I, I'm not having a problem with thinking about naked Donna Reed stuck in a bush, but uh, it's very cute. They're singing "Buffalo Gals" when we come out tonight, which essentially becomes George and Mary's love theme throughout the movie, and uh, they act all flirty. They throw windows at some old rundown house to make wishes, <laughs> and she's like, I'd like to live there someday, and he's like, well, well, we'll see where the movie goes. They, <laughs> they find this old broken down house, and in, in, in a very, I thought that was from a writing perspective, was very, very clever, that the house is filled with rocks, and they find all these windows lying around, and then they start throwing windows <laughs> at the rocks. And then there's an old guy across the street who's like, this is a topsy-turvy universe we live in. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Well, you actually just said they start throwing windows at rocks. Did I? Okay. Because that's such a mudronism, I'm surprised I didn't say it, so I'm going to take advantage to make fun of you for actually. Heck yeah, yeah. man. Uh, it roasts me. It's usually me. I'm the, the one who usually turns into zombie gummy about that. Boy. There was, I was yeah. listening like a, one of our most recent episodes, and there was something where I was consistently... Like, confusing something with something else, and I was like, oh my god, I feel like, I sound like I'm having a stroke on the podcast. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the, the fucking, uh, I do like Jimmy Stewart's being, he's romantic. He's like, I'm mm. gonna get the moon for you, Mary, and I'm gonna feed you, you the, moon. the moon, I'm gonna oh, cram it down your throat, throat like, you're, it down. like you're a bloodborne boss. And moonbeams I'm gonna put gonna... it in some pills and feed it to you like it's poison. <laughs> Mary... I've helped an old man kill 15 children in this town. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's all... And, and all while some porch man's listening to be like, come on, you two, just fuck in front of me. That's I, all I got to live for. What? This is actually one of my... There's my, my two favorite characters in this whole movie. This is the first one. Ba giant baby-shaped old porch man who's just like <laughs> watching them flirt the whole time and he's got a newspaper and he's looking like someone just farted the whole time. Until finally mm -hmm. he's like, ah, oh, why don't you just go kiss her? Youth is wasted on the young. And, like, Jimmy Stewart's like, ah, oh, you want me to kiss her? I'll kiss her. And that's when she gets scared and she runs into the bush and 
her rope. Yeah, but he's standing on her rope tail, and it falls off, and oh no, she's in the bush. Yeah, and then it becomes a thing of like, he, like they start negotiating for the bush and stuff. But... Yeah, while she throws down a piece of cardboard on the ground and starts break dancing inside the bush. <laughs> what? Just what's that in reference to? Because the bush, she's oh, it's, it's, the bush it's is going just... fucking bananas. Well, that's the only way she can emote as an actress. She needs a way to. <laughs> she can't just talk. She's got to like puppeteer the bush while she's talking. I guess. For it's like there's no an reason. earthquake centralized just under that bush. Yeah, and it's 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 actually a very nice scene, but suddenly gets interrupted to a fucking honking 19 like fucking Model T comes up and it's fucking. Like, I think it's Uncle Billy and George's brother. Like, hey, our dad yeah. had a stroke. You gotta go gotta see go him. Gotta go home. Yeah. He and throws the robe to Mary and they, and they leave. Th this movie is... This scene is kind of the heart of the movie. Because, A, it's, 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 you know, George and his eventual wife, like, really meeting a bonding for the first time. And you get to see how what a romantic person George is, which kind of gets thrown in his face a little bit later when he's stuck in the ultimate... Uh, future with Violet where he tries to come on to Violet the same way and she's like oh you wanted me to take my shoes off and go into the grass what are you crazy and I just don't feel like it so it kind of shows that like up any romance on this yeah. <laughs> I do like Mary's totally working on the same vibe he is I even like the fact that where he's all being romantic and she just kind of like turns away and she just starts saying Buffalo gals we come out she's being very flirtatious back at him in a very cute way and um I do like the bit where he hops into the car, goes away, goes is dead, and just uh, from I, this, I, she pops up out of the bush, and the music rises in this very romantic, swelling music as she watches George drive off in the bat, uh, uh, ride off in the car, and like there's this big donging sound, and it's all very kind of like I don't know. There's something very big, sweeping, and romantic about that one little scene that always struck me, even when I saw it as a kid. It was one of the few times when I saw this kid, saw this movie as a kid, I was like, okay, that scene's kind of nice. I didn't know, hadn't have any context for what was happening because I hadn't seen the rest of the film. But that's one of the few things when I was a kid, I was like, maybe I'll watch this whole movie someday and I will like it. And I eventually did. But it is also, this is also shows how George Bailey can't be happy without being immediately kicked in the dick by fate, which is the whole theme of the rest of the movie because. Yeah, it's all about him. He's getting all Gucci Gucci with Marion. And and he has to pay the price with his dad dying in the middle of it. So, then, yeah, yeah the movie suddenly jumps forward. It's like three months later. Everyone's wearing black armbands at the savings and loan because they're trying to figure dad out what to do. Dad is dead. Yeah. George gave up his trip to handle the That's savings what it is. and loan. Yeah. And the boardroom is where the board is meeting, oddly enough. And old Potter's in there being all evil and shit saying, Rah! Yeah. Well, George he's, gives him. So the thing mm. is, he's saying that, like, everyone else is like, we have to figure out what to do with the savings and loan because I guess George's dad, even though I guess it was kind of a partnership between George's dad and Uncle Billy, everyone seems to agree that George's dad was the guy who really ran the whole place. And they're trying to figure out what to do, and George Pot and, and Mr. Potter steps in and says, he's like, in fact, I agree. In fact, actually, I think to everybody in this town, uh, George Bailey was the building and loan. And he moves to, I guess... I guess during the dinner scene earlier, just like five minutes before that, George's dad mentions about how they thought if they let Mr. Potter onto the board of the savings and loan, that would get him to calm down and stop trying to destroy the savings and loan. No, it turns out that he's using his position on the board of the savings and loan to argue that the savings and loan should be shut down. I don't know why they would even legally let this guy be on the board for the savings and loan. If this guy like owns all the other banks and everything in town, you think that would be an inherent conflict of interest? Because... 
he would be doing something exactly like he would be doing now, where he's arguing for this one thing that compete the one thing that can compete against his banks and his interest in town. He's arguing for its closure. This is all very Donald Trump bullshit, where it's like, how can this guy even be allowed to get away with it? But he just does it just to get the plot to work because you need conflict. But yeah, so he's arguing for the savings loan to get shut down, and George Bailey's like, I don't know, I you guys can do whatever you want. I don't know, I'm getting out of here. And then he's he starts to leave, but then Potter says something, and if he had just kept his mouth closed, yeah, well he goes George into suddenly giving it like George Bailey's about to walk out, and yeah, Mr. Potter says something, he slags on. I think he just calls, like, George Bailey's dad like he was, like, some kind of, like, old man who just wasted his life. And George Bailey comes back and he's like, no, fuck you. He essentially just dresses down Mr. Potter. He's like, like, every, like all the people who are living and dying in this town, they, all, all the small people that you hate are the people who do all the living and working and dying in this town. Is it any problem that my dad gave these people a place to turn to without having to turn back? And he essentially says to Mr. Potter what I said about how Mr. Potter owns everything in town and... Mr. Potter just hates the saving and loans because the saving and loan is gives everyone in town an option that isn't just running to Mr. Potter. And then George says, yeah, "Fine, fuck it, I'm leaving. I'm going slums. off." Yeah. Well, oh, no, he's not going off on his trip. He's going to college. Yeah. So he gets ready to leave as uh as um uh so uh hey guys hey you are you gonna address the crow? It's just walking <laughs> around the the I... counter. I no? like about Capra nope. movies, he will just drop in the most Nobody's random. gonna mention it, huh? Yeah, and there's just a okay. crew that lives at the savings alone for no reason. Um, I guess Never it might gets be... mentioned? No? Okay. <laughs> I guess it might be Uncle Billy's, because it tends to pop up on his shoulder. And later, we do see a quick scene at Uncle Billy's house, which is filled with animals. So this guy's like fucking Snow White, I guess, and I guess he just has his pet crow that lives at the office. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I just, so, yeah, I love that it's never called attention to or anything like that. It's just the quirk of this place. And I kind of like that because it makes it feel like a little lived in that like this place would just randomly have a crow there. And it also kind of just shows how kind of like off the cuff and just ramshackle this little savings alone is. The fact that they just have a pet crow there. Like you wouldn't see mm -hmm. that at a real bank or anything like that. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway. So. So, the board votes against Potter, but on one condition, George gotta stay and be in charge. Yeah. And then if he doesn't, they'll side with that evil yeah, old George's man. George's speech at Mr. Potter dun, has dun, backfired, dun, dun, dun. and now, yeah. So he stays. Yeah. His Is this brother the played. I think he's about to walk out, and suddenly he gets really close to the camera, and they're like, oh, uh -huh. they're gonna shut the place down if you don't go. And then, oh yeah, that's exactly what happens. And he has like this big decision-making moment. Like he can either leave, and I do like that you don't even show him making the decision to stay. It's just the cam. He gets really close to the camera, and he's like, "Oh shit, I have to decide what to do." And I do like it. Suddenly, cuts back to the angels, and even Clarence is like, "Yeah, I know. We we can already sense the theme that of course he decided to stay if it meant saving the town and the savings alone." And, uh, yeah, so I do like to so, decide not to ring that for drama, but, like, you, they're already establishing the fact that you can already, if if George Bailey's put into a specific situation, th the audience and the angels already know what, what he's, he's always going to choose the right thing, even if it means destroying his own interests, so, yeah. So his brother played football in college, whatever, eventually comes home, he got a new wife, he also... His wife also comes with a new job at her his father-in-law's place. Well, and there's 
where his brother was supposed to take over for George. That's, what a bunch of assholes. That's the thing, because like George is all happy because he's not good. Like he still thinks because like, he uh, the idea is that his brother's supposed to come back, take over for the savings and loan, finally liberating George, so he can even if he can't go off to college, at least he can go travel and maybe find a job somewhere. But yeah, now his brother's come back with his new wife. And his wife's dad has said, oh, yeah, I'm going to set this guy up with a job in the plastics industry. And so, of course, that means yeah. the Harry's Harry not going to be... Harry says to George, hey, sorry I'm fucking you so hard, bro. Yeah, and right. I mean... What you going to do? George would be absolutely within his rights to be like, let's at least talk about this for a minute. But no, instead, he's just like, ah, great. And I do like when he shows up, when Harry shows up with his wife, he has a moment where he's like, what the fuck? What the fuck? And then he realizes being like, what the fuck in front of the new wife, and he realizes he's he's he doesn't want to offend her, so he does suddenly kind of break down. He's like, oh, congratulations, congratulations. Yeah. But even after that, he's kind of like off by himself going, oh, And fuck. Uncle Billy's there, and he's scattered for it. He has to tie strings on his fingers. Oh, and that's, yeah, that, that, that's <laughs> a little character gaff. Yeah. And so, also, this is the part where the movie, the timeline starts to not make sense, because the movie suggests that the rest of this part of this movie takes place uh in 1929 but if the previous scene if uncle if 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 their 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 dad if if of everything up until this movie had taken place in 1928 and it's 4 years later and that Harry's gone off to college and come back this should be like 1932 but the movie's treating like this is this is only like a year later, 1929, because there's a whole run on the bank thing that's going to happen a bit, which they kind of insinuate is taking place on Black Friday, which is the day that the Depression started. So this part where, like, yeah, whoever was in charge of, like, the storytelling continuity of the movie just kind of fucked up. Anyway, so George is... doesn't really matter. But George is all bombed out. I guess uh, they're having a bit, big celebration party at George's mom's house, who she's now turned uh, the, uh, George's parents' house into, like, a, a room and board place. Mm -hmm. Or something like that, but uh, there's a big party to celebrate the fact that Harry's come back and he's got a wife and stuff like that. And yeah. his, his mom's all like, "Hey, how you doing? Are you okay?" George is trapped in town, and his mom's like, "Hey, go fuck that Mary girl. She's so with <laughs> for you. All you gotta do is talk to her, and she'll be all over your dick like whoa." <laughs> she does say it's terrible, and she's like, "Every time Mary walks past the house, I just shout uh -oh. the name George Bailey at her." And of course, you could hear the clattering her fragile oh, case. No, I knew that was gonna happen. I knew it. I knew it. I hate it. Any excuse. I knew it, and you I hate it. You can hear her drawbridge I hate it. and open. I hate it every time. I just love this picture. I got this very specific mental <sighs> image of, of a very close, close-up, gauzy uh, close-up of Donna Reed, and you can just hear in the background just mm, 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 clattering no. chains as a door is lowered. A big, wet, juicy wooden door. No. Yeah. Oh, God. <sighs> it is very cute, though. It's it's pretty much George's mom's one contribution to the plot is her just to show up and say, hey, you seem really sad. You're now stranded in town, but hey, it's not all that bad. Mary, what's her face, has been mm -hmm. talking about you. You should go check and her also, out. And also, downtown, yeah. that other horny girl's like, I'm gonna date that guy. She goes to talk to him, talk to him, and he's like, oh yeah, sure, date. Oh, we'll take off our shoes and walk in the grass. And man, there is nothing oh, more that's the to see, people at this time. I thought that took place time. in the alternate future, yeah. No, then walking naked-footed in the grass. Oh, okay. And I guess the whole town decided to circle around them and laugh at the very <laughs> idea. I noticed that, because at first 
it seems like they're just having a private conversation. And suddenly the camera zooms out a little bit. And literally, they're surrounded by 30 people who are laughing at him. For like, it's like, <laughs> wait, everyone in Bedford Falls is a fucking cockass. Um, I <laughs> so, do like the inclusion of Violet. Violet seems to be kind of a redundant character, but I do like it insinuates that at least someone else is involved in George. So that like, uh, if, if Violet wasn't there, it would make it seem as if George is only running to Mary as a consolation prize. At mm. least Violet being there shows that he has kind of like romantic options, and even even if he stays within the town, which I think that makes him deciding eventually deciding to shack up with Mary to be a little more meaningful. Uh, there's a little bit of a one of the few big trivia things in this movie is before though before he goes wandering away from his mom's house, uh, George sends Uncle Bailey home and Uncle uh, uh, Uncle Billy is drunk. And Uncle Billy walks off camera, and it's insinuated that he walks into a junk pile, which I guess is actually something that actually happened on set and was an actually an accident, but they kept in the film. And mm. I do like the bit where uh, George's mom, when when he still had his his mom's place, like he puts he like put, puts her hat his his he makes what's he what's he do like he puts his hat on and she turns him around and but pushes him in the direction of. of Mary's house, and that's when he goes walking wrong, and I guess he has to walk through the main square of town, and that's when he, to get to Mary's house, and that's when he meets Violet, and he gets, everyone laughs at them. But yeah, he eventually, <laughs> 20 minutes later, eventually ends up at Mary's house, and he's, <laughs> just to make himself known, he's like dragging a stick across the fence in front of Mary's house, smashing her, her, her uh, mailbox with the wood stick, just so she has an excuse to open the door and be like, uh, or the window to her bedroom, like, George, what the fuck are you doing? She's like, get in here and ravish me. She is all like, she's hot to trot, and she's actually, well, she also says that. And he's like, I don't his know. His mom just, did call ahead saying, just hey, walking. to expect George. And I do like the fact that his mom knew George well enough to be like, okay, I'm going to call ahead. She, uh, George doesn't realize how much of his mom is kind of playing matchmaker here, but it's very sweet. Like I said, it's the yeah. one contribution uh, that George's mom has she to the plot. She runs downstairs, puts out the drawing she did of him four years ago, lassoing the moon. It is crazy! Turns on Buffalo Girls. Doesn't seem desperate at all, though, Sariba. For someone who, according to this movie, they have only briefly met twice in the course of their entire lives, and she is like, been... I really liked it when he called me brainless. Yeah, she... <laughs> I know exactly. One of the two meanings that we've seen them have, he wasn't exactly the most respectful person towards her. This motherfucker force-fed me coconut when I was ten. Um, mm -hmm. so yeah, he, she totally, like, redresses up the living room. She, she has the record of the Buffalo Girls when you come out tonight. She puts that on, puts, yeah, I guess she commissioned a He's drawing like, of George lassoing the moon. Or she her. drew herself, who knows? Uh, let's, actually, that would be kind of, well, yeah, oh, that would be very sweet. He goes in, he goes inside, and he's like, I don't understand, I didn't even tell anybody I was coming over here, mom called me, and it's like, yeah, because they could see your dick dragging down the street like a divining rod, George. Also, she's like, I heard everyone laughing at you from ten blocks away, what the fuck <laughs> did you do on the way over here? He looks at her drawing and says, some joke, huh? Well, fuck you, George. Yeah, I just... Did that? This is the endless patient of Mary Hatch right here. Like, she's... She's... She, again, the fucking vaginal gates just clanging open, just waiting for for an invading army, and he's just like, Schmuckers, she? Schmuckers <laughs> jelly. She has every right just With to punch him like in the nuts. It's gotta be good. Yeah, and even her mom is all like, what's going on? And she's like, he's making violent love to me, mother. Yeah, you, you can do a take. That's a joke, but no, it's no, violent love. I, I, under, I, I appreciate that that term had di maybe had different meanings in World War II, maybe. but like now it's like, oh my gosh, you really just <laughs> does want to get fucking donkey punched by Jimmy Stewart. Holy shit! 
Mm-hmm. And so yeah, she tries she, singing. Yeah. She tries singing Buffalo to Girls. Him, he's like, that was four years ago. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you? What you went to college and came back? On the other, <laughs> she's idea, like, I, I have, I haven't felt alive since I was naked inside that bush. <laughs> I'm surprised she doesn't like pull out a little house plant. And she's like, do you want me to get naked and stand behind this plant too, like before? And Jimmy Stewart Wait. would be completely within his rights to be like, yeah, that was four years ago. Has there not been nothing else that has happened in your life since that night? Oh my god. Yeah, her mom who's clutching her, her, her bed coat or house coat. It is coat great is that like, the mom yeah, is Yeah, tell like, him to get the fuck out of here. That Sam from New York is well, going to call you. and Sam Rainwright, this is a character they've been seeing throughout the film. This is just a mutual friend of theirs who just... All we know that he goes around and goes hee-haw all the time. Mm-hmm. Which I guess they give that character that affectation just so you could recognize him when he's, when he's a little. He's one of the little kids that even George Bailey's like sled riding with when they mm-hmm. first show the very first flashback. But uh, Sam Rainwright, I guess, also has an interest in in Mary, and I guess the mom is all like, "Fuck George Bailey." Sam Rainwright, he has a boner for you. He's rich. He's like involved in the plastics industry too. You should no, is it? Yes, is that what it is? Sam Rainwright's into plastics and Harry. I don't know, but so and in the middle of this fucking George and, and Mary, uh, she rightfully tells George to fuck off finally, and he he does he, leave. And he George, throws down his hat so he can use it as a plot device in a, a moment. Totally. I wonder. She's, I she smashes the shit out of I that record. I do love when she smashes the record because she's absolutely. I mean, she's, she's being weirdly clean, but also George is being a fucking asshole. She totally deserves to be like, what the get the oh, fuck? Yeah. Hmm. I do love, so, though, like, like so right in the middle, the Sam Rainwright calls up, and the mom's all like, Oh, he wants to bone your butt! Sam Rainwright's <laughs> on the phone! And, like, it's right at that moment, yeah, George Bailey's like, Ah, I forgot my hat! And, like, I do love Mary Hatch is all like, Oh, Sam Rainwright! George Bailey's here! He might want to stick his dick in my ear, but I also think you are marvelously sexy! And then George mm-hmm. Bailey just gets all jealous and stuff. It's very cute. Yeah. And she's like, Sam wants to talk to you! So then we get to watch them have a one-sided conversation. It's great. Yeah, it's like, suddenly he wants to talk to them both, even though I guess George, he's, he wants to George tell them tells to, him like, about some factory his dad could buy yeah. with money uh, oh, that goes on for like 20 minutes. Yeah, for some reason, despite that, it seems like George uh, Sam Rainwright is only calling Mary as a booty call. He's suddenly like giving investment advice to both of them. He's like, hey, get George on the phone. I want you both of you guys to invest in my company. Uh, uh, and George is like, well, what, uh, not only should we invest, why don't you move the company to our town? Because, like, ever since our, like, tooling company went out of business, we'd, like, we need uh, stuff anyway. So, that's not really the so point. It's just... He drops the phone, shakes her violently, and yells <laughs> at her that he doesn't want to get married. He doesn't want no ground floors. Yeah. He wants to do what he wants to do, and she cries, and then he kisses her everywhere, and that old-timey smashing faces together kisses, and now they're married. It Great. is. Yeah. I've, seen, I've seen some people hold this up as being one of the most romantic kissing scenes in movies. The but they hell are they? What? I understand from, like, a dramatic perspective, but just the physical fact that they don't kiss as much as just rub their cheeks and faces against each other. Also, he just screamed at her. Well, no, shook her like, like it's understood that like this is the last writhing his 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 his, his, his he's upset because this is his last chance to actually leave town and he has to make the choice. Is he just gonna leave town or like Well that's it he gets really pissed off because uh, also part of the thing is, like, Sam Raid has offered them, like, like, a job and money and stuff like that, and, like, just as the moment he's has, he knows he's had, 
George has his one last chance to leave town. Everything in the universe seems to be conspiring him to keep him in town. I, with uh, He's obviously got a crush on Mary, and she's all like, oh. And, 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 I do and, like that they, they show the receiver swinging, and you can hear Sam on the other end say, God, mostly make a man go crazy. Exactly, yeah. Well, that's kind of the thing that's actually happening, because, like, George, it's not that George is being a dick, but he's obviously in love with Mary, too. But he doesn't want to be pulled, because he's, he's already given up so much, he doesn't want to give up his one last chance to leave town, but he finally gives in, and that's the big... It could be... The kiss itself could be much better, but they just rub, violently rub faces together, and suddenly mm -hmm. the music swells, and suddenly, I think... Uh, this... Everybody's throwing rice in a rainstorm. That's gonna be fun to clean up. Oh, God, it's gonna be terrible outside. <laughs> that sidewalk is gonna be filled with fermenting mush for a week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I do like the movie doesn't waste time. It goes straight from them kissing for the first time to suddenly now they're married. Yeah, yeah they get in a taxi and are like, look at our huge wad of cash. Yeah, well, We're I guess travel like, the like, world. either 1929 or 1932, depending on how you want to interpret the timeline. I mean, 2,000 bucks ain't nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's... But, uh, oh, it's, no! There's shenanigans at the bank. Everybody wants to get inside and take their money out for reasons. I don't know. Well, I wasn't listening. this is listening. another thing where, like, George has gotten married. He's finally got enough cash to actually at least go traveling on his honeymoon. And again, the movie's whole thing of, like, George Bailey can't be happy without immediately being kicked in the balls. He's literally about to drive out of town. Hit The the, the cab driver, Ernie, has has a, a, a bottle of champagne that the, the, the cop, Bert, has just uh, gifted them. They're literally driving out of town. When they see that there's a run on the bank, there's a big crowd outside the savings alone, and I think even Mary's like, ignore that, let's just get the fuck out of here. And like, George's like, oh, Mary, I gotta go see what's going on at the savings alone, so they go over there. Yeah, and it's not described exactly what's happened, George Bailey runs in there and, and, and I think he asks, he asks Uncle Billy what's going on, and Uncle Billy just says, how do these things ever happen? All we know is that the, that the bank called our loan. I had to give all the cash we had on hand to the bank. We have no more money. Now everyone in town, they stormed the, uh, the, the savings loan to get their money out of the bank. He closed the doors of the savings loan, which drove everyone nuts. Now everyone in town is at, like, banging on the doors trying to get and trying to get the money out of the savings loan because they're afraid they're going to lose their own money. And like I said before, this seems to be insinuating that this is all happening because it's the Black Friday, the day that the stock market crashed, so everyone's panicking and trying to get their money. Even though it never specifically says that, it seems to be what the movie's insinuating. And mm -hmm. so, George Bailey has to go in there and try to, like, calm Beg everything people down. people not to take yeah. their money and destroy the town! It is great that, like... Man, all you want to do, George, is get out of this fucking shitty-ass town. <laughs> Fuck him. He could have just done that! He had the time to... Yeah, yeah he could have just let the savings loan hang, gone on vacation, although, actually... If if the global if the, this is Black Friday, who knows how fucked up the world would have been? This would have maybe been a bad time to go on a month long uh, honeymoon vacation. But yeah, there's a he whole makes thing. An, he makes an impassioned speech, and Mary's like, "Hey, you guys can take our money." I and love they dole that out there two thousand dollars to everyone. I love that it's Mary who comes up with that idea, because mm. well, well, like well, everyone there, there's like fifteen thousand people suddenly storming the savings alone. They're like, well, we it want had money. to be because George, just, he's such an asshole in this movie so many times. They have to make him likable now and then. He can't do everything <laughs> well, wrong. Well, so everyone comes in demanding their money, and he's like, this is not like that. This this doesn't operate the way. This I don't know how a savings and loan works because I know a savings loan is technically different than a bank. Because there's talk of like people owning different shares. Mister Potter suddenly calls up. And he's, he's threatening George with like, oh, I hear there's a run on the bank. 
Do you need the police? You need Offering the police because there's going to be a mob. The dollar and that's like, yeah, this whatever. this other asshole comes in and says, like, Mr. Potter's offering 50 cents on the dollar for every share. And everyone's about to walk out and sell all their shares, I guess, in the savings and loan to Mr. Potter. Which would mean that saving Mr. Potter's going to own the savings and loan and can do whatever with it he wants, which would be to destroy it. And so that's when Jimmy Stewart steps in and is like, No, she, you're thinking about this all wrong. I don't have the money here. Your, your money's in Bill's house and Susan's house. And yeah, and then Bo says, What the hell are you doing with my money, Bill? And punches him in the face. <laughs> well, that's the thing, because I know, I know when I put money in the bank, like, when I put $50 into my Chase account, Chase account isn't like, Your money's not here. We gave it to Smitty. <laughs> like, at least, so I'm assuming the savings and loan works in a different way. And granted, it's a movie, so who knows what the fuck's going on. But yeah. he does calm everyone down. Uh, that, well, no, he's in the middle of trying to explain this to He realizes he's still not getting through to everyone. That's when Mary's like, hey, who needs money? We've got $2,000. And, like, George's like, oh, shit, that's a good idea. And he's like, okay, like, whoever needs money to tide them over for, like, a week or two, we can give you cash. And there's, like, one guy, he's the one guy who kind of started all this in the beginning with. He's like, I want my $252, and I'm going to close my account. And George's like, here's your $252. Your account isn't closed. Just come back. We're going to stay, stay afloat. And there's kind of a cute thing where a little lady, she's like, I want one dollar and two cents. And George is like, oh, thank you, thank you. You're not trying to gouge us. You, you just want enough money to live on. He kisses her and it's all very cute. And well, Mary has saved IMDb the savings trivia moment. for you on that one, Bill. I think it's nice. It's a nice, it's a perfect little moment of Frank Capra, just like a little bit of humor and humanity. And it's, it's, it's oh my God. <laughs> Anyway, but I, anyway, I just like the fact that Mary's the one who comes up with the idea that saves the saving and loan. And flash forward to the end of the day, they finally close. They've only got $2 left of their name. It's a very cute thing where they all put the, the two two last remaining dollars in the bank. And they're like, oh, if we, if, if we want to survive, you guys, you mama, pa, mama dollar and papa dollar, you better have kids real soon. And they put the dollars in the bank. And yeah, it's cute. And not exactly how George and Mary probably envisioned their wedding day ending, but... He gets a call at the end of the day from his wife. He yeah. goes to run down to the gutter oh, hotel. Oh, it is cute because he gets a call. Oh, like, my he, Mrs. Right. Bailey is calling, and he's like, I don't want to talk to my mom. I need to find my wife. And he's like, oh, uh -huh. shit, Mrs. Bailey is my wife now. Okay, and then, yeah, he's... he's I married my mom. What the hell? <laughs> that was a tragic mistake made. I didn't mean to do that. And so, yeah, and she's like... I don't understand how this works, because I guess when George wasn't paying attention, Mary bought that house that they were throwing windows at. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, and so he's like, I got to go to 320 Sycamore. And he goes there and he's like, what? Sycamore? And it is like the fucking nasty ass house that they mm -hmm. were that they were fucking with before. I don't know if fat old baby man is still living across the street, but... Um, yeah, He's so, disgusted, uh, confused, and horny all at the same time. <laughs> Actually, it's not raining. This is just Mary's pussy juice flying from the skies because she's so wet for fucking George. But yeah, it's it's dark and, and raining. And he's like, I think something died in the walls here. That smells really <laughs> working for me. It's it's it's. Actually, I would love to see him pulling up, and it's just fluid coming out of the house, not rain coming down. But mm. yeah, well, he gets George gets driven to uh, this house by Bertha cab driver, and Bertha cab driver and. Ernie the cop, which is funny because they're both named Bert and Ernie, and a lot of people have joked about how they must have been the uh, inspiration for Bert and Ernie on Sesame Street, even though I think uh, Jim Henson was like, no, that's just a funny coincidence, but it's a cute thing. Mary has, I, I guess, yeah, I guess she has bought this house, dressed up the insides, 
with a whole bunch of posters and stuff from places where George has wanted to go visit. She's got... <laughs> it's very data from the Goonies. There's a couple of roasting chickens in the fireplace that are hooked up to a record player that's playing music, but the turntable's also turning the chickens. Mm -hmm. And uh, Bert, Bert and Ernie, the cab driver and, and cop, uh, they... They're singing, they're serenading Mary and George from out in the street. There's a very... Actually, one of my favorite moments in the movie is when... Uh, George is first walking into the house, and Bert, the cab driver, he suddenly puts on a really fancy top hat, and he offers to take uh, George's coat, and he, like, uh, he, uh, what was it? He holds his hand out like he's he's asking for a tip, like somebody at, a, like, a, like a, a waitstaff at a hotel would, and he, he leans his head back, and his hat pops up, and then George tilts his hat, hat his, his head down, so his hat just drips water into Bert's empty hand, it's just a cute little, it must have been something that was just like an impromptu thing they did on the set, but it's just, again, it's a very Frank Capra human moment of just kind of goofiness. Uh, but yeah, so that George and Mary have a nice little romantic dinner being serenaded by a couple of the guys from the town. That's... And then they watch him fuck. Yeah, they... Their wedding night. Does it just like crossfade away and that's the end of the wedding night and that's it? Yeah, I guess it is, yeah. Mm-hmm. They fuck in the rainy-ass fucking house. I guess Mary bought without anyone noticing. Our ice cream's nutritious, and the soda's delicious. Try some today. We are the intermission quartet. Some quartet. We sell refreshments at the Met. At the Met? So if you should want to get delicious ice cream, soft drink, popcorn, candy, candy, I like candy, it tastes just dandy, it comes in handy when I fight the bull. The popcorn's puffy, so crisp and fluffy, we all eat popcorn until we're full. Oh, how I love the soft drinks here, they taste as good as the lager beer. And now our operetta ends, we'll have an intermission, friends. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight marks an historic, not to say unique, moment in the history of both television and cinema. After a search of nearly 40 years, the fabled lost ending to Frank Capra's 1947 film, It's a Wonderful Life, has been found. Tonight, for the first time anywhere, Saturday Night Live is proud to present this priceless footage, the fully realized vision of an authentic American genius. So without further ado, here is the lost ending of It's a Wonderful Life. questions. All they said was, if George Bailey needs help, we're here to help him. Oh, well, Mary, Mary, I never realized I had so many friends. And, and a, a man who, who has a friend is a rich man. That's what Clarence said. My golly, he was right. We wouldn't have a roof over our head if it wasn't for you, George. Well, thanks, Dave. Pardon, Thank you. Pardon me. Pardon me. Oh, Harry. Hello, Harry. George. Welcome home, Harry. Merry Christmas, George. Now, wait a minute, everybody. I've got a telegram here I want to read. From London. Dear George, stop. Mr. Gower Cables, you need cash. Stop. My office instructed to advance you up to $8,000. Oh, stop. Oh Yeehaw, and Merry Christmas. Sam Wainwright! I did with the money, the $8,000. Well, 
That's great. That's great, Uncle Billy. Well, what, what'd you do with it? I was in the bank. I had it in a newspaper. I remember giving it to someone. Well, who, who'd you give it to? No, wait. Now, I just called Clarence at the bank. He told me that old man Potter deposited exactly $8,000 right after I left. It was him! Well, what are we waiting for? Let's go get it! Where are Trouble already. You made one mistake, Mr. Potter. You double-crossed me and you left me alive. Now, wait just a second. I'll give you the money back. I don't want the money. I want a piece of you, Potter. Well, I'd rather, Mr. Potter, than the whole bad configuration of things. You're nothing but a scurvy little spider. Why, you're nothing but a fraud. You're not even a cripple. Now, wait a second. I can explain that. Harry, Mary, hold him for you. Dad's head of sound tells us to be good and to be true and to remember our men in uniform here and overseas. So let the bells ring out and let me on behalf of the manager and all the employees of this theater wish you the merriest Christmas ever. Oh, and then it's just, it's just, I think it cuts the angels and angels are like, oh, and four years later then they had all kinds of babies and shit and is that what happens? We see Martini. Well, no, there's time passes again. Goats and kids. Somebody owns a house now. I don't know. Yeah. They move into, there's we've another actually, house. So there's this or, Italian guy named Martini who becomes a little bit of a thing. Uh, we've actually seen this guy. He was in the in the bar in Casablanca. He's this Italian mm. guy named Martini who owns the bar later that becomes a big thing in the Back to the Future 2 part of the movie. Um, yeah, uh, George. Yeah, it's a, a couple years later. Uh, uh, I guess the Bailey Brothers and Lone Place, they've uh, established a place called Bailey Park, where they've built a whole shitload of homes for the local people. 
And yeah, we see that uh, this, the Martini family, who I guess they lived on a, uh, 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 in a dirt hole in the ground with a goat, are now moving into yeah. like a prefabricated house. I don't know where they're going to put their fucking goat. Uh, it's a cute little moment with Donna Reed where she's like, Here's bread, so your house will always have flavor. Here's Coca-Cola, so life will always have fizz. And they do a whole thing of like, okay, yeah, like... It's, it's, you would just see that the town is prospering because of the savings alone and because of all the hard work that George and Mary are doing, really. And they cross, oh, I'm sorry, I should let you talk. <laughs> well, this is just, it's just really setting up more of the stakes of the town. It cross cuts to, like, there's a guy talking to Potter, essentially explaining to the audience how, in the, in the last, in the last couple years that the movie has jumped forward, that, like, this Bailey Park has become this big, big neighborhood where all these formerly poor people have managed to buy their own homes. And there's an a burgeoning middle class in 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 Bedford Falls that Potter does not have control of. Yeah. And George isn't charging enough for the homes. Yeah. And he's uh, George is being a nice guy and he's just uh, being very beneficial to the town. Again, this is just stuff that's it's just building up the idea that like George and his actions are just having a very positive impact in the town. That's all it really is. So George goes to see Potter because Potter invites him there. He gets a cigar. Potter yeah. says, I hate everyone and everybody hates me. Yeah, this is the big uh, Jesus in the desert being tempted by Satan moment of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So, but Potter wants to get Bailey a job at uh, twenty thousand a year in the nicest house in town. George is amazed and confused. Yeah. He's like, "Oh, what about the pillars and loans?" And ah, it's always about that place, isn't it? And he gives him twenty-four hours to take it over. And then he shakes Potter's hands, <laughs> but it's, his hand is covered in jelly. It is. And this is a great and moment. George like, is grossed out by this man's dead fleshy hand <laughs> this is one of the big turning points of the movie where george yeah george is holding his hand and he realizes what he's doing and the disgust with himself is actually it's a great acting moment he wipes his hand on his on his coat and he's like ah oh, i don't need 24 hours i can tell you now and he essentially like he pulls out a gun and threatens to shoot both potter and the guy <laughs> behind him and he just like knocks everything over and then shoots himself bud wire style and that's the end of the movie yeah, it's, it's, it's really it's fuck weird, you but... fuck you fuck you it You're really cool. does just fuck you <laughs> I'm out. And he leaves. Yeah. He just poochies out of there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He goes home, asks Mary why she married him, and she says, he keep from being an old maid. Also, I'm pregnant, I guess. And he's like, oh, boy, a boy or a girl. And she that's... says, yes. We'll get to that, All but, right. like, I love that Mary's... Oh, no, there's more? <laughs> just Mary's... Her fate in the alternate universe is so stupid, but... It's true. But, yeah, no, it's... He goes home after he's turned down this deal of a lifetime... And he's super depressed, mm-hmm. and just to make things even more less, you know, less less pressure in his life, his wife is like, "I am breeding like like a livestock pa- pig now. I've, I'm going to produce four children in the matter." She had of like a boy, two then years. a girl. While she worked on fixing up their house, he worked late. Oh, Potter this is the time jump shit. where yeah. So World War Two happens. Their, both of their moms worked at the Red Cross during the war. She had two more yeah. kids. She while she while she worked for the USO and fixed up their house. And this is essentially fast forwarding to modern day. This is essentially yeah, just catching everyone up to speed. Some yeah. dudes were on a rear projected screen with giant <laughs> women walking behind them that are supposed to be like the same size as them, but they fucked up. The, <laughs> There's a lot of rear projection in this like quick little three minute segment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. His brother Harry did some stuff, shot down a plane that was gonna kill some people, so they thought uh, some platoon or something didn't die. I don't know. Yeah. 
And, yeah, and George couldn't do nothing because his ear was fucked up. Sam Wainwright, he continued to make money, I think. Oh, he made a fortune selling plastic, uh, like, airplane bubble shields to the to the mm -hmm. army. and yeah, Carried I, by giant women. <laughs> again, this giant women. Potter got richer. Uh, mm -hmm. George couldn't go to war because of his ear, but he was, like, part of, like, he did, like, rubber drives and scrap drives, and they, they kind of show him, he's, like, in patrol in the middle of town, and he's got this little tin hat on, and he looks very ineffectual, it's very cute. Yelling at people to close their windows. Yeah, exactly, and so it's fast, fast forward, well, then we cut back to the angels, and the angels are like, okay, now you're all cut up. Now we're going to show you what happened this morning to cause George to want to kill himself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The and then they just says... <laughs> they just flash a big picture of Uncle Billy, and they're like, that's it. Uncle Billy. <laughs> that's yep. all you need to know, Uncle Billy. Why would you not want to kill yourself if you know you're related to Uncle Billy? And, like, Kellen just mm -hmm. goes, oh, yeah, that's all the excuse I need. Now I can go down. We can cut out the rest of the movie, yeah. But... Yeah. They finally get to the day, and the paper says, Harry got the Battle of Freedom! Hurrah! And that drugstore man is there and says, I should be dead! But he's still alive! <laughs> I mean, the, 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 this motherfucker like, that looked like the zombie version of John Waters 20 years ago. There's no way he's still well, alive. Well, it's wild, because, like, in order to, to, to make sure that Mr. Gower is there for, for Harry coming home, uh, fucking Mr. Uh, George, he comes back into the... In, in, into the pharmacy he does the hot dog thing with the lighter he goes back into the back room opens up mr gower's sarcophagus and has to mm -hmm. slaughter a goat to resurrect mr <laughs> mr gower back to living form and so he uh, that's why they were setting up the goat earlier that got in the car okay <laughs> exactly so that's it all ties together the hot dog thing finally comes back one third time the goat yeah, exactly yeah no but yeah so it's it's essentially just george walking through town everyone's like oh harry's coming back today he's got and also george's mom is having breakfast with the president's wife and it's, it's interesting that this movie was made in 1945 so this is really kind of like being filmed Right around the time, like, everyone was coming back from war and stuff like that. And the big thing... That crow's still around, too, uh, I guess. Fucking Uncle Billy. He has to go Uncle deposit $8,000 at With the his bank. With stupid strings on his stupid fingers. Yeah, and so he decides to stuff a bunch of... I, I was looking at it. If you, you could tell, it's just... Well, money back in the 1940s looked different than the money does now. But also, if you just look at some of the bills that he's using, they're just only printed on one side. I'm assuming yeah. money was not like that. So, but yeah, he's got like, well, it's also supposed to be like a pile of $8,000, but mostly what he's, he's counting off in his hands are just fives and tens. And so that stack of money should be about the size of a phone book, not just enough to fit an envelope. But anyway, yeah, he's at, he's, he's wait, he's getting his money together at the, the bank. Mr. Potter mm -hmm. rolls in mm -hmm. and he's reading the newspaper. I, I had to double rewatch this morning to figure out exactly what happens. Yeah, Mr. Potter rolls in with the newspaper. Uncle Billy can't not be a dickhead. So he decides to go over, rips the newspaper out, and Mr. Potter's hand is all like, Oh, look at the headline today. Uh, the Bailey boys, are, uh, they're heroes. They're fucking fantastic. It's going to be a big thing. And Mr. Potter's like, Bleh. And... And then Uncle Billy says, Hey, you want some money? Here you go. <laughs> You can buy a lot of Super Nintendos with this money. He's stupid enough. He he folds up the newspaper in his hands, accidentally like folds the goddamn envelope with eight thousand dollars into the newspaper, like slaps it at, at, at Potter's chest to be like, ah, oh, you, you couldn't get at those guys. They'll show you. Then Potter, you know, grabs the newspaper back, not knowing he's also grabbing eight thousand dollars that Uncle Billy just folded in the newspaper, and he gets wheeled into his back room at the at the bank. Well, Uncle Billy goes to deposit the $8,000 and he gets up to the teller and I'll let you... Yeah, you know what happens next. 
Mm-hmm. Well, the, the bank teller's like, hey, Billy, you stupid idiot, you forgot something again. He's like, what? He's he like, calls well, him... do you usually need money if you're going to make a deposit? I'm watching the movie now as we talk about it, and he actually literally calls Billy, you fat asshole. <laughs> so, yeah. Potter so... gets that money. Billy tries to deposit it. Potter looks out the door to creep people at him. I do like the oh, moment. Like, he, like, opens I'm going to be evil. It's great. Like, he, like, yells at his manservant to wheel him over to the door, and he's not going faster. Like, faster, faster. And, he, and like, the way he's, like, cravenously, yeah, looking through the door. Like, he's, like, enjoying Uncle Billy suddenly being like, where's my money? Where's my money? And, like, oh, this is the last contra real contribution to the plot. Is no, no, actually, uh, uh, Potter comes back a couple times, but I do love he's just jerking off to watching Uncle Billy freaking out about this missing eight thousand mm -hmm. dollars, and so yeah, Uncle Billy, Billy goes to the to the bay, or they're saving the loans, looks for the money in his office while George gives the, the horny lady some money to get the <laughs> fuck out of town and go to New York or yeah, whatever. Yeah, they don't explain exactly what's going on with Violet, no. but yeah, she needs to start a new life. I don't know what she's done. Well, anybody town, who, but... I mean, anybody that George doesn't grace with his, his precious life is their life's ruined, so yeah. she wasn't able to marry him, so her life's in shambles. That's kind of the, uh, it's not entirely the wrong reading of that, yeah. Oh, no, good. it's actually not. Yeah. So, uh... Oh, now, I didn't realize. She kisses mm, him goodbye. Yeah. And so he's actually got a little bit of lipstick on his cheek for the rest of the movie. Oh, and actually even the bank examiner no, comes out and off. sees that. But, like, it's a little bit... This gets thrown back in his face by Potter a little bit later. Yeah. And so... Billy tosses his office upside down looking for the money. The bank examiner's there. Uh-oh, they want the... Or uh, whatever. Things. Clocks could be the plots. Yeah. Uh, so now they retrace the steps. They look for the money. They don't find it. George is pissed. He yells at that old man and shakes him by his lapels. Yeah, it's weird because they seem to suddenly teleport to Uncle Billy's house. Because he's if there's, at... yeah. If there was one thing George Jimmy Stewart was good at, it was being an incredible asshole while playing the quote unquote nicest guy around. Just well, like he has in been Mr. For Smith this goes movie. to Washington when he went around punching reporters randomly. <laughs> He's like, I gotta go write a poem about my dead dog. But yeah, the the movie suddenly teleports to what seems to be Uncle Billy's house, because it didn't occur to me that it's Uncle Billy's house until today. Because he, he's suddenly, like, in a study that he's turned over uh, upside down that's filled with animals, unless this is his office at the Savings Loan that's filled with animals, which makes the crow seem even more like... Is he? He's, Uncle Billy's running a zoo in his office at the yeah. same. I don't know what the fuck's going on. But yeah, fucking uh, George Bailey justifiably fucking melts down. He like grabs yeah Uncle Billy and he's like, "You old fool! This means ruin. This means destruction. What? One of us is going to jail, and it's not going to be me." And then and, a squirrel climbs on Uncle Billy and George leaves. It's sad, because Uncle Billy's so sad, but he got friendly squirrel. It's like, don't be sad. Just because George Bailey's going to go shoot himself now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, so, Jimmy Stewart does do, does give good breakdown. He is obviously at the end of his rope. Like, when he gets so angry at Uncle Billy, it's, it's a hell of a thing. He goes home. His yeah. daughter has to practice piano. She keeps playing the same verse over and over. Oh, Great. Fast. He is a huge, colossal dick bag. <laughs> Again, we've seen him kick the kick, kick, kick stressful the day takes it all out on his family. Cool, cool, cool. There's cool, two cool, cool. ways you can read this. He's a white, middle-class, rich guy who, you know, it's not the world's end that he has a giant, fan, not, giant nice... It's like the Homer Simpsons thing. Where, like, mm. if you want to look at, like, Frank Grimes... This dude's a piece of shit because he's got a beautiful wife, he's got a whole bunch of kids, he's got a secure job, and uh, the whole town that loves him. But now he's like, just because his dipshit uncle 
Lost $8,000. He's gonna kill himself because, like, whatever the hell is gonna happen. Like, he can weather this storm even if he has to end up in the jail. It's not the end of the world. Or, after watching his life, you kind of see him repeatedly get kicked in the nuts for two hours over the entire corpus, corpus of his life. It's, you can totally interpret George, George Bailey's life in two different ways, but... Yeah, he's being at, a, he's he's being a prick, and she's like, "Hey, what's wrong?" Uh, he says, "This man, a hero of our story, <laughs> says you call this a happy family." Yeah. Why? Why did we have all these kids? He says That's... that out loud in front of his kids. <laughs> what an asshole! What a captain great great dickhead. hero! Fantastic! It's also terrible because like Donna Reeds, and she's in this really nice like form-fitting like little shoulder suit, and how she looked like a snack with two C's. And he's being a dickhead. Granny's kids are all fucking idiots. There's Zuzu, she's sick, and a, a fucking kid at the piano. These these Koopalings all justifiably should get shipped off to the military school. Uh, but yeah, fuck them. Also, mm -hmm. <laughs> fucking Jim Stewart is wearing his he's wearing his pants so high they're almost up to his nipples. He's totally like old man <laughs> pants. Anyway, uh, but yeah, he's just I'm, being. Well I mean, he was emotionally on the edge, but then that kid just put that creepy-ass Santa mask in his face, and he was like, this is too much for me. Yeah, and then he punches the, his son with the Santa mask, repeatedly, mm -hmm. rabbit punches him, and the kid's just, please, no, stop, it's terrible. Uh, but yeah, no, he goes up, so he finds out his daughter's Zuzu sick, so he goes upstairs to, like, comfort her. I, comfort or yell at her, I guess. Yeah, I some flower petals fall off a flower, he puts them in his pocket, he's like, yeah. okay. So this becomes Zuzu's pedals becomes a little bit of a plot device. Zuzu's also it. stupid because even though she's like six, she's like, I don't understand how plants or life works. Oh, can you just glue the petals back onto the flower? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Paste it, paste it. He yells at one of the kids' teachers on the phone, calling her a <laughs> stupid bitch. Being a I, real I cocksucker that to comes, everyone. That's going to come back to bite him in the ass in about five minutes. I do love that, yeah. Well, the Zuzu's sick. Because I guess Zuzu took her coat off on the way home, and that's how she got sick. And so he yells at, yeah, she yells at the teacher about, like, Ha, isn't it bad enough my kids are poor and you hate my kids, but then you send them home half-dressed, half-naked, blah, blah, blah. Hey, you fuck up my kids, blah. Schmucker's jelly. Hmm. Then uh, the husband calls back, yells at him, and he's like, I'll kick your ass, motherfucker. <laughs> Dad of the year award right here. Yeah, then he yells at all of his kids and tells them to stop playing that damn piano. It destroys part of his house. He's so likable. I love him. Great. Yay. Fantastic. Jimmy Stewart. And then he's like, oh, all right, let's just pretend that never happened. Repress that. Repress that forever. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, well I'm out. He's a, he's, a, he's a white, straight, male dad in the, in the 20th mm. century, so of course it's like, I've committed violence against my family. The only way we can work past this is just to pretend it never happened. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so he goes back and sees Potter and is like, Hey, um, you know, I was yeah. calling you a piece of <laughs> shit a couple hours ago. How so, about you give me $8,000 and we can forget I ever said that. He pulls out Zuzu's pedals and he's like... Mr. Potter, these are very slides rare. him across the table. These are very rare and expensive petals. Uh, I think they're mm -hmm. worth they're worth at least about ten thousand. But for you, I'll sell them to you for eight thousand dollars. Yeah, Mr. Potter's just like, yeah, it is terrible because Mr. Potter really does just like fucking fucking twist the knife here. Where he's like, what are you? You once called me an old warped, twisted old man. Well, what are you but a young, twisted, warped young man? And 
Yeah, it's just... He does have a $15,000 life insurance oh, policy, and Potter's is. like, ah, you are worth more dead than you are alive. Yeah, and I you were mean to me that one time, so yeah. nah. Why don't you go ask that riffraff you like so much? I bet they wouldn't be nice to you. And I'm gonna call the cops on you. We'll see. Which yeah, is funny, because what he suggests is actually just what happens. That he yeah. just does get the money from the family. But he's like, oh, yeah, but yeah I'm going to call up the cops and put a, put a warrant out for your arrest. And blah, 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 George so. leaves, climbs in his car, goes to get drunk. The answer to all life problems. Yay. He gets sweaty at the bar. Get the That's Martini's bar. I guess that bar is owned by the Italian guy with the goats. It's mm -hmm. suggested. Yeah. Barkeeper says, Mr. Bailey, you should go home. You go to be with your family. And some guy's like, Bailey? It punches him in the <laughs> face. It's like, my wife cried for an hour after she got off the phone with you. She cried so much, I had to leave and come to the bar and drink rather than stay <laughs> home and deal with it. You're not exactly making yourself seem like husband of the year material. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's a small ass town. This motherfucker runs the building alone, but that guy was like, You're George Bailey? <laughs> I, yeah, I do that. I would say, yeah. Despite the literally everyone else in town knows George Bailey. I guess maybe they live out in the city limits or something like that. They kicked that guy out and help yeah. old drunk George to his feet. The owner wants George to stay now, but he's like, nah, nah, I gotta go crash yeah, into a like, car. Yeah, he's like, Mr. Bailey, don't go. I'm Italian yep. stereotype. He crashes his shitty car into a tree, causing some minor damage to the bark, and now some old man comes out and like, oh, you ruined my tree! As much as you can ruin a tree with a car, they can only travel three miles an hour, but yeah. <laughs> and George is like, I don't and wanders off, goes <laughs> to a bridge. It's kind of like, what's... What's, why does Homer Simpson write a note to, to, to Marge where it's like... Blah, 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 he got blah. drunk at the pretzel factory. That's his... He's in fucking or George Bailey's totally drunk at the pretzel factory. They got these book. big chewy pretzels. Five dollars? Get out of here. That, and that's totally George Bailey for this whole segment of the movie. Yeah, he, he, he ends up walking away into the snow. He almost gets hit by a truck. Um, It's interesting. I, I, that's one of the... From the special effects... Uh, perspective of always read that this is one of the first movies. I guess uh, most movies up until this point they just used kind of like cornflakes or soap flakes as snow. Um, yeah. They wanted to have a snow effect that they could use in this movie that wouldn't be so crunchy and fa fuck with the sound. So I guess one of the special effects guys came up with this uh, new fake snow that's kind of like fire extinguisher stuff mixed with soap or something like that. So it actually kind of melts and kind of collects a little bit like snow and you can walk through Oh, it's through very it without... chunky though. Yeah, it's, it's, it's if you really kind of look at it, but at least it's not just like fake plastic yeah. flakes. But it's, especially if you're growing up watching this movie in standard definition, you don't really notice. But actually watching HD now, you're like a little surprised at how it actually acts a little bit more like real snow than, than usual fake snow in the movies. But yeah, it's still obviously just not even. Anyway, so I think that's kind of interesting when people actually, like, the snow, like, slushes around people's feet more like real snow rather than just being, like, yeah, tiny little dry flakes all over the place. But, yeah, George, uh, it's snowing all over the place. He goes to the bridge. He's contemplating through. I can't remember if he's actually praying or if he's just, like, wringing his no. hands thinking about throwing himself off. But Some other guy beats him to it, though, and falls in the water. So he's yeah. like, help me! So George jumps in and saves him. Then a bridge man shines a light on them. So, this is the thing I don't understand about suicide by throwing yourself off a bridge. So, Clarence's plan was to keep George from throwing himself into the water by throwing himself into the water in a way that George would still have to throw himself off in the water to Like, you think the plan would be keep George away from throwing himself into the water altogether. But, yeah, I don't see... So, 
<laughs> so I, I don't know how the, the original uh, it just does. Uh, the suicide plan didn't make any sense. I don't know because George still ends up doing exactly what he's going to do anyway. Except now he just yeah. has to drag the Clarence out of the. Well, he did k take his coat off. So <laughs> he did take his coat off. Yeah, and suddenly we flash forward to I guess they're inside like I guess the someone who oversees the bridge has a yeah. little house off to the side. It's actually uh -huh. I love this character actor. He, he doesn't have a line in the movie. He's just reacting to Clarence saying mm -hmm. his bullshit, and for some reason he's decided to like he's chewing cha. While, like, sitting in a chair that's tilted at 45 degree angles during this whole scene. While, yeah, Clarence is explaining the situation to, uh, Says George. he's an angel, he don't got his wings yet, he makes that guy fall down so he can leave, because you gotta get rid of that extra. Yeah. But that's, again, that's very Crank Capra-esque to have, like, this kind of goofy character actor in the background are kind of reacting to everything. And he's about to go spit his chaw, but every time, like, he's about to do so, Clarence says something new that's like, what the fuck? And he's like, what the fuck? And then, yeah, he does fall and leave and stuff. Yeah. 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 Clarence is his guardian angel. He knows everything about George. Yeah, George is like, you're a shitty looking angel. You ain't even got wings, motherfucker. Yeah. And he's, he's, it turns out yeah, Clarence is angel second class. And... Then George puts his hands on his hips and says, the world will be better off without me. <laughs> this is the false equivalency that I think this bullshit in this movie that like, you can want to commit suicide without wanting to have never been born. Like, George, yeah. the, 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 the crux of the matter isn't that George, I mean, George in this moment kind of offhandedly says the world would have been better without him being born. But it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a false equivalency because you could, like, it's not so much that he thinks he, that's not, the problem isn't so much that George honestly thinks that the world would be better off without him as much as he's, he thinks that he just wants to end his life as it is, ex exists now. And... And uh, but hearing yeah. that George says he'd be better off uh, not ever being born at all gives that fat, the man with the fat man's head on his skinny body an idea. <laughs> That's like elderly baby face. <laughs> yeah, Clarence's yeah. body. Clarence's Dang! head looks like Clarence he should be about. A, his 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 head his head looks like his body should be about a hundred pounds more than it is. I which is funny because I think the character's name is like Clarence Oddbody. You called mm. him Clarence Boddicker, which is the bad guy from RoboCop. <laughs> and that's a totally different movie when it's the guy from that 70s show being like, can you fly, Bobby? That might have just been a stumble over words because I I didn't know he had a last name in this. I just oh, thought no, he was did, Clarence. He just briefly mentions Oddbody. Like, it's it's yeah. not, a, they don't make a big production, but he does. But it is funny that Clarence Oddbody, I could see why you would call him, accidentally call him Clarence Boddicker. But yeah, Clarence, I, I want to see that version of this movie where the angel's just a total cock-ass motherfucker just doing, <laughs> like, it's, he's snorting coke, like, it's uh, snorting snow like it's coke, and oh my so, god, yeah. Now George can hear out his deaf ear, and his lips well, not bleeding anymore, because yeah. he's never been born. Yeah. And now their clothes are dry, too, like miracles. People so They go to out where his car was, but it's not there, that... That yeah, tree is fine, too. If he doesn't have a car, if he doesn't have a wallet, if he doesn't have papers, then why should he wear clothes? Of course, the movie's not going to have George Bailey walking around naked just because of, it's, like... Yeah. It's the oldest tree in Pottersville. Pottersville? Oh, and this is totally the back... Like, even the guys who wrote... It's funny because the guys who wrote Back to the Future, they said that this movie was, a, you know, obviously direct inspiration for Back to the Future in terms of, like, the small town where all these different characters and stuff like that. And, and everything that the, the, even the background characters are doing are setting up stuff that's going to matter later. And, of course, this is obviously, like, inspired, like, the whole middle section of Back to the Future 2 where you, like, go back to the small town and everything's fucked up and twisted. Uh, just to jump back real quick, I do like the moment where um, Clarence does suggest, like, okay, if you don't want to be born, 
will make that a real thing, and it, suddenly it happens. Like, it's the snow suddenly disappears from the background, and suddenly there's a big gust of wind. I do like, he's like, you don't have to be that mad about it. Kind of suggesting that God's not exactly happy with this idea to, like, re alter reality, but he'll go along with it. But yeah, so, but yeah, but yeah, they, they end up back in town, and they get to see that now uh, Bedford Falls is now an actually interesting place. Well, not not quite yet because no, the car's not there. So he's like, oh, I need a fucking drink. Oh, well, this is the, so this is, they go already... to the bar, the yeah. nice quaint little bar. But now it's a swinging jazz bar. Oh it's no, actually a the cool worst thing. Bar. Yeah, and also there's we've... Bill. Yeah, there's people of color in there. Yeah, that's how you can tell it's very yeah. unseemly. Good. <laughs> yeah, thank you, 1940s Hollywood. Oh, um, no. My second favorite character gets to shine in this movie. Um, he, we'd already seen him before, but he's Nick the bartender. He was in the good version of the bar, but now he's even more kind of like greasy and like, hey, hey, out the door, through the window, out you pixies go. I love the bartender. He's so great. Mm. He's like a char character from a Bugs Bunny cartoon. I love him to bits. But yeah, George goes to get a drink. Uh, fucking Clarence is like, I want to have mulled wine with heavy on the cinnamon, light on the cloves. And I do love the bartender's like, we don't need characters like you. Give them the place atmosphere. And he's constantly threatening to punch or throw these guys out. It's great. I love the utter disdain Nick the bartender has for, for Clarence and George here. It's fucking delicious. Every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. Oh, and Clarence that's... is 293 next May. And I Nick, do love George. The bartender, like... I, I like yeah. how George is like, you, you calling him his name, and Nick's like, how dare you call a man by his name? The ultimate yeah. insult. That's another thing I don't care about you. How do you, what do you get off calling me, Nick? I don't know you from anyone. I do love when Clarence is like, oh, that, that's where the angels get the bells from, whatever. I do love Clarence is just like, or Nick is, the bartender is just looking at him like he's going to, punch Clarence right in the face. Yeah, and, I, and then George is all trying to do it like on the down low. He's like rubbing his lip trying to like, Clarence, shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. We're gonna get our asses kicked in this place, the, but yeah. The old man from the drugstore comes in and Nick he's like, I thought you'd never come in here and sprays him in the face with Spelzer and everybody says, ha 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 that old man guy is abuse. Yay. And I guess George being alive kept this guy from turning into a complete asshole to everybody, too. Well, that's what, like, he goes up to Mr. Gower and he's like, Mr. Gower, Mr. Gower, what happened? And that's when Nick the bartender is like, that's another thing. If you know this guy, you must be a piece of shit, too. This, Because this guy, he just got out of jail after 20 years of serving sentence for accidentally killing a kid. Yeah, and so, a kid. Yeah. You must be a jailbird, too. I said, yeah, yeah, you. Yeah. Kick him out of the bar. Will you show these two gentlemen to the door? And, like, the body. Yeah, the, 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 the fucking uh, bouncers. Fucking. <laughs> Patrick Swayze shows up and does karate at them and throws them out. Yeah. George wasn't there to stop him from poisoning a kid, so he got poisoned. Yeah. Also, it's not it's not Martinis, it's Nick's. Ah! I guess Mr. And Clarence, Martini. And what, he's like, what's going on? And Clarence is like, asshole. I told you, I'm an angel. You're nobody right now. And he's yeah. like, oh, you've been given a great gift. A chance to see the world without, without you being born. He's like, Jimmy Stewart says, you're crazy. Can you shave 10 minutes off this movie? You just take out all the Jimmy Stewart stammering in the, in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, my gosh, Bill. Thinking... Bill, yeah. the whole town is a scandal. There's lights and y'all. <gasps> Jitterbugging, Bill. Oh my gosh, there's jitterbugging. Can you believe it? This place is a just a, a den of villainy. That is the most. I mean, the worst. Like, I guess, like the the there's like a savings, like not a savings, but there is like a pawn pawn shop. 
and I guess the movie theaters now Neon just like a burlesque girl. house. But it's the most milk toast. Like, oh no, this place. Yeah, exactly. A Charleston contest now, which is the mm. most like really the. Oh, you could dance the jitterbug. Oh no, whatever's gonna happen to this place? That's, that's yeah. The he gets most... a tax. Go ahead. Oh. <laughs> he gets a taxi. Says, take me home. You're the taxi driver. I know you got a wife and kids. And that guy's like, that wife left me three years ago and took the kid. I live in a hovel. Yeah. Oh, before they get and Jimmy Stewart's you, you like, see oh, Violet. You see oh, Violet. because what? I wish zinc had never been invented. <laughs> That's exactly what this movie is, pretty much. We get to, well before he even gets into the cab. Though we see Violet one last time because George Bailey goes to goes to where the ba savings and loan used to be. Now that's actually the dance of the jitterbug place, and he sees yeah. Violet ba being thrown out of there, and that's when he hails the cab. And yeah, that's and and, and uh, yeah, it's no longer Bailey Park that the cab driver lived in. Uh, he said, oh, he says, take me to Bailey Park. He gives him an address. No, he, no, he goes to the house first. Oh, he does go to the house. Okay, I thought he yeah. went straight to the cemetery. No, okay, no, yeah. he goes, he goes home and the driver's like, ain't nobody lived there for 20 years. But before they do that, he also bangs on the side of his taxi and has a cop follow up. Uh, the taxi driver, I was looking at <sighs> his credits. We have seen that taxi driver one, at least once before. He was the orchestra leader in The Reluctant Dragon. Mm. He pretended to be. It was funny because they hired, had to hire an actor to pretend to be the to play the Disney orchestra leader in their doc, quote unquote, documentary about how the Disney studio worked. Which I thought was kind of funny. Which actually, that would have been roughly. Would, it, would that have been before this? When was the Reluctant Dragon? Was I don't know. Where? You figure that out. I'm gonna make a pee pee up right Okay, because the Reluctant well. Dragon. I think that was like before. I think that was right before the strike, which I think the strike was like 1940, 1941. So this is yeah, okay. So, Ernie the cab driver has already been in a Disney film, but yeah, as a kid too, I always had heard that the back lot where Bedford Falls was filmed that was the same back lot where they uh, filmed Back to the Future, was no, which is not true. I guess uh, Bedford Falls was built on the RKO Movie Ranch, which was raised in 1954? Um, yeah, because I, I read somewhere as a kid, because in Gremlins... Uh, the mom, while she's baking gingerbread cookies, she's watching It's a Wonderful Life. And I had heard people say, like, because the, the, the part of The Wonderful Life that she's watching is the scene where, like, George Bailey's running through the town saying, Merry Christmas, Bedford Falls, Merry Christmas, you old saving and loan. And he's running through the town square, and I heard people say that the, the, the gag is, but he's, is that he's running through the ta same town square that uh, is the town square in Gremlins, which is also the ta same town square in back to the future but that's not true because the town square and back to the future Gremlins is on the universal backlot which is still existing so yeah what's going on schmitty i'm just talking about backlots and trivia that mm. i read that it was wrong but oh so so, so anyhow jim yeah, stewart runs like, around what I, I, I do like i love i love how the cab driver gets the attention of uh, the cop by like just banging on the side of his of his cab, and I guess George mm -hmm. is too fucked up to notice that he's like, "Hey, I got a crazy guy here. I need you to follow me." Yeah. yeah. So he searches. He runs around the house searching for his wife. That's not in this dilapidated hovel. Shockingly. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, Eddie tells the cop or whatever the cab yeah, driver is tells yeah. the cop, "Yeah, keep an eye on that guy. He's baddie." So since that guy's a cop, he pulls a gun on George inside the house and he it's just like, pulls ah. a big fucking revolver, yeah. And he's like, "We're gonna take you to the insane asylum." He's about to club him on the head, but Clarence is there and he bites the shit out of that dude. Yeah, and it's great because then the cops wrestling with Clarence and suddenly Clarence disappears. He goes bloop. And he's <laughs> and just the cops all like, 
he's like wrestling with the snow and he's like i don't know what the fuck just happened and then mm-hmm. the cab driver's like, okay, we need to go get drinks. This is fucked up, you know. George runs off to his mother's place, and it's a boarding house called Now, Okay, Bears. now it's the boarding house. Oh, okay, 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 yeah. yeah. And she doesn't know him either. She knows this shit. And he's like, oh, I know everything. What about Uncle Billy? And she's like, that asshole's been in an insane asylum ever since he lost the business. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Closes the door. Hot damn, George, how, but what is it gonna take for you to figure out and accept that this is like the universe where you don't exist. I love that what it takes. Is that what happens next? Is that he goes to see Mary? Uh, no. So, yeah. Uh, he, he does uh, some crazy look into the camera, sweating his balls Yeah, off, this is goes, like the second time he looks in the camera. And it, only, it looks like he's looking at the audience because he's all like, Bruh, and the music's all, Whoa. He goes, yeah. goes to Bailey Park, but it's not a park. It's a cemetery. Oh, no, his brother's buried there. Because he wasn't there to save him from the ice. So Which, he died because none of the other kids that were there were going to jump in and save that fool. Assuming the cemetery wasn't built after George was born... Mm-hmm. Does that mean they had to move at least some graves in order to build uh, Bailey Park over this in in his, his just in the original just the timeline? headstones? Just yeah, I know exactly. That's all that, that we could do a sequel to It's a Wonderful Life. You could actually just rebrand Poltergeist as a sequel to to It's a Wonderful Life. But yeah, yeah, you find yeah, exactly what you said about. So it. he's it's like, I want to see my wife, and he's like, Oh, you won't like what happened to her. She's an old, she never married. She's an old maid. <laughs> No, the worst thing that can happen to a woman. It's the climactic reveal of this whole part of the movie is that Mary is just, she has glasses and she's not married. She's got glasses, a high collar. Oh, she's a nerd working at the library. Oh, that is the funniest fucking shit. It is just, oh my God, movie. And George she, yeah. was the only person who would be attracted to this very attractive lady. Yeah, to this to this very hot librarian lady. So he goes over, he goes to her house, and he's stalking her. Well, there was just... a music man that came through town, but he turned out to be a con man. <laughs> There's, so. Yeah, they had to gloss over that. <laughs> Which actually, time-wise, not... Is a little too thirty years too late for the music man. But I like George that follows idea. her and attacks her. She man. screams. He's going fucking Have nuts. Have we done the music yelling. man on the podcast? No. My second Christmas pick will be randomly the music man, even though it has mm. nothing to do with Christmas. Basically. She goes into a uh, some kind of building that just everybody's packed into sort of like Pretty sardines. much everyone else we haven't met in, the, in this alternate reality is just hanging out in that bar, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so George follows her, she's screaming, and he's like, you're my wife! And she's like, no, I'm, I'm an old maid! <laughs> and she and faints. Then- and, and, and the cop and the, shows up, and, yeah. and he just fucking walks out of there and decks that cop right in the fucking well, face. Well, and the cop makes And he takes off running, and then the cop's like, well, I'll just fire wildly into this crowd. And this crowded street! It's not like it's an empty <laughs> street, but there's, like, cabs and people walking around. He's like, I'm just gonna blindly fire my revolver at the end of this populated street. Yep. And then, yeah, George runs back to the bridge. As yeah. he's praying to God to, like, give him his life back, we see that the yeah. cop is pulling up in his car, and boom, boom, mm-hmm. boom. I just gotta get home. I just can't stand the idea of my wife being <laughs> single. <laughs> he says, quote, unquote, I can't believe it's not butter. And mm-hmm. suddenly it begins to snow. <laughs> Zink! Zink! <laughs> Come back, Zink! Is that actually how that ends with that? that uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, which is, uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't, you know, it's funny because I had seen that and it didn't take until years later that I saw the, was it the Life Without Spring short on Mystery Science Theater 3000, yeah, which yeah. I guess 
the the Simpsons writer said that was the direct inspiration for the zinc thing, but yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, I guess uh, the, so... the snow coming back is the moment that God suddenly decides mm. to give George's life back, and now he's so the cop shows up, but he calls him George. He knows him now, and yeah. he goes, he yay, he goes around saying, "Oh, Merry Christmas, side, Merry Christmas, pile of horse manure, yay, running through the town, yeah. yay." And just get get ready for this to be on every ad. A holiday sensation on at 6 p.m. Christmas Eve. Channel oh, 12. With, yeah. Uh, Merry Christmas, sign, bro. Merry Christmas, you old building. old building. Yeah. Oh, Bailey, Bailey, yeah, building and loan. Mm -hmm. uh, he does he does run past Potter's. It's the last time we see Potter in the movie. He runs up to the window and says, Merry Christmas, Mr. Potter. And Mr. Potter's like, I just called ahead. They're already waiting. The cops are already waiting for you at your house, you old fart. Yeah. And he then, goes uh, home. People are waiting to arrest him for $8,000, but he's so happy to I see everyone. I love... He Everybody's is... super stoked about him, Brian, and gonna go to jail. All the kids are like, yeah, you're finally gonna be locked away, you crazy, abusive monster. I guess God is so much on George Bailey's side, he suddenly made Zuzu not sick, any sick anymore magically? Uh, she I didn't guess... seem that sick earlier. She, she had, just like, a slight bed. cold. Uh, still, this, this, nothing in this movie changes the fact that George Bailey just berated an innocent teacher. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, so I guess Mary's been out looking for George, and she comes back home. Yeah, uh, she left her kids home alone with all these strange men inside. Yeah, with a bunch of cops and a, and a yeah. fucking bank examiner. Great, mm -hmm. great, great parenting all around in this She's house. She's like, you never guess what happens. She takes him to the tree and says, Ah, it's a miracle! Uncle Billy comes in with a basket full of money, and everybody just loves George so much, they gave him that missing money. Even Literally. the horny lady's like, I decided not to leave town, I'm stuck here forever, here's the dollar you gave me. The old black maid shows up, and she's like, I was gonna use this for whenever I get a husband, but I, don't know, I guess that's not gonna happen, and that's a funny <laughs> joke, everyone laughs. Even, <laughs> even the stingy guy who wanted to close his account, he shows up, and he's like, I'm gonna give you $10. Even the goddamn bank examiner who's here to arrest George George Bailey yeah. is all like, I'll give you $5, and they start singing Merry yeah, Christmas well, and shit. Sam also says, ah, my dad can give you $25,000 or whatever. Well, the that's phone. the thing. Actually, at this, at this point, you think George Bailey would be like, okay, if we can just, if, if, if Sam Wainwright can fix this, everyone can take their money back. Yeah. And also, it's, this has been well documented. This does nothing to change the fact that the $8,000 is still missing, mm -hmm. and they're still going to be investigated. Yeah. Um... His daughter plays that shitty song everybody hates. Yay. <laughs> uh, yeah, they start singing All Lang Time. The warrant's the torn fuck? up. His brother comes home covered in what looks like cum. What? In cum? Yeah, look at it, Bill. I need to fast forward. When oh, he walks a, in. It's because of they're in that shitty fake snow. It at looks least... like chism. Yeah, that's the thing. Because it's it's... It's not dry flakes, but it is wet goo. It does mm -hmm. kind of look like it's just snowstorming scum all over the all over <laughs> town. Yeah, and because Harry's the last one to show up, and he does the cheer. I he, toast he to my the brother, the richest man in town. He actually does kind of look like he's... <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> I can smell it. Jimmy oh. Stewart looks at a book, The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, and it says, Dear George, remember, no man is a failure. Who has friends? Thanks for the wings. Love, Clarence. You're still going to uh, jail. A bell on a tree <laughs> rings, and his daughter burps out, Luck, Daddy! <laughs> Which is inside, whenever uh, time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. Did you say whatever Taco right. Bell rings? Yep. 
That's bong. Open late. Well, Chihuahua shows up. <laughs> it's the Dan Reichert starring version of It's a Wonderful. And he he looks at all his uh. friends who haven't aged in 20 years, and they keep <laughs> singing. Potter gets away with everything, and it ends. Yeah, Yay. Potter drives off in his new $8,000 car into the distance, and that's the end of the Oh, I gotta send you the image, the <laughs> yeah, perfect you screen me. grab I got of <laughs> him winking at nobody. Looks <laughs> 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 like Stewart's having a heart attack. Yeah, Daniel just sent me a screen cap of... It's gonna it's, be it's, the art it's, this week. It's Jimmy Stewart winking at Clarence, just as, at the end of the movie, even though Clarence is not there. He's kind of like, oh, thank you, dude. thank you, Clarence. But it looks like, it looks like he's turning into Popeye. <laughs> and Good that's stuff. the end of the movie. Well, I wonder, too, because the, 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 the I think it was Frank Capra's production company, Liberty Films, has a big gonging bell at the end. I didn't know if they, like, the whole, every time a bell rings, an angel gets a swing. I wonder if that's supposed to be a little bit like, oh, that's Clarence getting his super, super wings because there's a big super bell at the end of the movie. And yeah, and of course, everyone, that's the big thing. You, like right before we recorded, you sent me a link to the YouTube video of the Saturday Night Live original ending of Saturday Night Live where they all go and beat the shit out of Mr. Potter to get the $8,000 back. And Mr. Potter turns into a dummy, <laughs> which uh -huh. we were just talking about last week or the week before last, how much we love bad dummies and stuff. And yeah, it, it's great because I think it's I think it's Jan Jan Hooks Jan Hicks. What's her name? She was in uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. She uh, she's dressed yeah. like Donna Reed and she's stomping on the dummy. It's John Lovitz as Mr. Potter. It suddenly turns into a dummy and she's like kicking his head and stuff. It's very cute. Uh, but yeah, that's the thing. Everyone points out that Mr. Potter, the real villain, does never gets his comeuppance in this movie. And yeah. Jimmy Stewart still owes the like this is not instantly resolved. Jimmy Stewart still owes eight thousand dollars. Like he has to explain where that eight thousand dollars went to, and of course they're never gonna get Mr. Potter to cough up to exactly what happened to it. So, no. From the outside investigator, it still looks like he's embezzling eight thousand dollars. Although I have seen some people claim that because he's savings white. and uh, loans work differently than banks, mm. that they don't have to justify. Just in the same way that the George Bailey w w used his personal $2,000 to keep the savings loan afloat, he may be able to abs absorb the eight. But if that's... If he can get away with, like, potentially pocketing $8,000, then why is there a bank examiner involved? But not that it matters. That's not the point of the movie. That's all CinemaSins bullshit. But that is... It's a wonderful life. Daniel, no. can yeah. you tell us? You're the... You're, is this a wonderful film? Hey Bill, hey. you've you've been doing this with me for eighty five years now. Yeah, what do you think? I thought of it's a wonderful life. <laughs> I like I said, I thought the one possible saving grace is the fact that it's not really about Christmas until the last ten minutes of the movie. But I am sure you were nonplussed at the very this least. This movie's like forty five minutes too long. Yeah, well, they need to. It is slow. Unless you watch it every year, and then you're anticipating and savoring every little moment, and then you're like, this movie is not long enough. I want to live in this universe. No. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think what you could cut out of this movie and still have it make sense. Because, like, so much, of so much of stuff is set up that gets called back. It was called, and like, they only spend set up like, and pay off. I mean, I'm not, I, I'm not complaining because I wanted them to spend more time in it, but they barely, like, they barely spend any t time in the alternate dimension. Yeah, it is mostly it is, just to be like she's an old maid minutes. now. Oh no! Yeah, 
Um, and they wrap everything up super fast, and Potter doesn't get his just... The, he's still there being a dick. I need to see, because, I mean, of course, they've, ad, they've remade this thing a couple times. I know there's, like, a radio adaptation that I think actually is Star... I actually have it. It's in my iTunes. I should listen to it sometime. Because I think it's only an hour long, and I think it actually stars Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed. And I should listen to that and see exactly what they cut out. Because, I mean, it's all not they, impossible to you know, shrink this story All down, they but. needed... For, for Potter was for like a cop to be at the place like getting a statement from him and notice the envelope on the desk and be like hey what's that motherfucker yeah that's I mean, all they needed. Oh, if and then, then he would get arrested. And well, it'd be even good. then, if if you if you're just really if, if the only thing you worry about is Potter getting busted, Potter's got his accomplice there, the one who's like wheeling him around. All that all you really need to do is have that guy come out and say, you know what, I've worked for Potter for a million years. I saw what he did. I saw that he stole $8,000 from these people. I can attest to the fact that he, like, and if you look in his drawer, his have, locked desk drawer now, that $8,000 is still in that envelope. Like, that, and like, have, yeah. Have the so. drugstore guy stop being on an episode of Mummies Alive and poison him <laughs> with some poison. Well, that's the other thing, too. Because, like, he seems to run the only pharmacy in town. Mr. Potter's obviously old enough. He's taking some kind of medication. All you have to talk to is Mr. Gower and ask him to, like, you know how I saved you from the poison pill thing a couple years ago? I need to pay. I need to pay, pay you back. We're gonna we're gonna need to accidentally switch some of those pills again one last time. Nobody's yeah. gonna care. Potter yeah, said himself. Exactly. Everyone hates me. You could string up Mr. Potter like a pinata in the middle of the town square, and everyone had a fucking party just like bashing him to pieces. So yeah. Yeah, so that's it's a wonderful so, life. So, when, when you texted me and said, Fuck it, we're good, I hate to do it to you, but we're doing a wonderful life. I said, internally, I said, Oh, can't we do toys? But, <laughs> I didn't <laughs> oh, want, no. I didn't want to, I, I was like, Well, Bill that does made, set up. Bill made his choice, so we're gonna do it. And yeah. I was just dreading it so much. And I was hating the idea of doing it. It wasn't as bad as I was worried it was gonna be, but man... Uh, well, it's not a bad it film. Again. I could see it being a slog, and especially if you're not into the holiday. It'd be, but, but yeah, I don't think you could sit down and say, like, um, nothing is objectively good or bad when it comes to movies or anything like that, except for toys is terrible. I say it's not very good. I'll do uh, that. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, you can have that opinion, but, like, it's not yeah. like... No, I'm not gonna say, I'm not gonna say your opinion's wrong for liking it. But, oh, you could say you could disagree with it, though. That's for damn sure. Hells um, yeah, man. But yeah, I could totally see. And like I said, I only chose it just because it was my birthday and I couldn't think of anything else. And mm -hmm. I was just like, and I was trying to think of something that uh, our listeners may know and stuff like that. Instead of like doing something else that's like obscure or weird. So I thought, oh, what a wonderful life. And it's not, got enough old timey stuff in it. I didn't know if that would be kind of fun to talk about. Yeah, it's got it's got stuff to make okay. fun of. Whatever. I still like it, but yeah, I'm kind of surprised at how how hard I've fallen for it over the years, despite me not liking it when I first seen it as a kid too. Mm -hmm. Needed more TNA. Uh, <laughs> I want to say TNA. I'm trying to think of anyone who who's who in the movie is named has the name T or a uh, name that starts with TNA, and I can't think of anyone. So I was trying to make a joke. You okay, wanted to I'm see gonna... more, You wanted to see more Tommy and Amy. Like, yeah, yeah, there you go. I'm gonna send you a link to the you Johnny Carson. A... Oh yeah, send me a link to. The... Uh, maybe but uh, no, no, I'm not gonna break. have you watch it. It's got the poem written out, and I just want you to see how scroll through oh, and see no. how long this poem about also, his dead why dog is. Is this you were all at treehugger.com? I don't know. That's just okay, what I found with it made, written out. The poem, the dog poem that made Johnny Carson <laughs> cry. Yeah, so this is just Jimmy scroll down and see how long of it is. Oh no, how long is the video? Because yeah, this is from July twenty eighth, nineteen eighty one. It's a four minute video. Here's the text of the. Oh my god. Yeah, it's long. 
Oh my god! Yeah, it keeps going. <laughs> they could have had a commercial for Raiders of the Lost Ark, but instead... But instead... Jimmy Stewart had to make a poem about his dead dog. I was about to joke if you wanted to do a dramatic reading of this poem, but it, like this is that would take up another twenty minutes on the podcast. It's a very heartfelt thing, so I feel kind of bad making fun of it, but at the same yeah, time, it's man. Not like, I mean, that's the whole thing. Jimmy Stewart was very earnest. It's not like he was much for cynicism or anything like that, but yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. So for next Halloween, what you're saying is that you want to do Frank Capra's. I do appreciate that Frank Capra, he did a Halloween movie, because technically Arsenic and Old Laces is a Halloween movie. Oh, he did that? Yeah. Do you not yeah, like Arsenic I... and Old Lace? No, I was about to say that I don't hate everything he's done. Yeah, which is funny, because that has nothing to do with Halloween, but that starts off with, like, an open book of, like, witches and Halloween shit flying around. Mm. Um, and, yeah, it's kind of like a wonderful life in that, like, yeah, it's technically a holiday movie, but it has nothing to do with the holiday movie. Maybe it's I, I because it's it's a very limited amount of characters in like one location. Is it, it based is, off a stage play? It is, yeah, exactly. Okay, well, then the joke, the, the running joke in Arsenic and Old Laces, the original stage play, involved Boris Karloff, and they couldn't get yeah. Boris, Boris Karloff for the stage version, but everyone's joking about how that one character looks like Boris Karloff. Yeah. In a way that you're like... Why is everyone... Because he doesn't look like Boris Karloff, but if, once you realize he was supposed to be Boris, you're like, oh... But they should have maybe rewritten some of those jokes because at a certain point it's kind of distracting. Hmm. Like, it'd be like if you're watching a movie and everyone's like, oh, you look like Robert Downey Jr. And, like, the character's not, like, looking like Robert Downey Jr. You're like, why do they keep saying this? And you're like, oh, it's supposed to be played by Robert Downey Jr. Then we'll take those jokes out. Edit that shit out, you know. Yeah. So, monkey pants. Yeah. Um, so that was, it's a wonderful life. Uh, how's I'm life? Glad, I'm glad people like it, I guess. I it's guess. nice that there was something out of copyright that people could could I watch every Christmas. And this sounds like a similar thing to The Wizard of Oz, where it was a movie that bombed, like it lost money on its in its initial release, didn't become popular until it got shown endlessly on television. Yeah. With uh, The Wizard of Oz, it was being shown at Easter every year that I, uh, I guess caused it to become a classic. And yeah, there was something about how I think the movie naturally fell out of copyright. But Paramount still owns the rights to the movie by virtue of they bought up the rights to the original story that the movie's based off of, the short story. And so they now control the copyright, even though they don't have the copyright to the film as a document, but the story. It's confusing, but but that's the thing, because this movie had fallen out of copyright for like a couple decades, or at least... Paramount was not enforcing their copyright on the movie. Yeah, that's how it became such a big thing, and specifically during the 70s and 80s, and now it's everyone's like, oh, the immortal Christmas classic. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I mean, let's see, where is that? What is that on? Uh, Hack into the Matrix. I can hear you typing right now. Well, because I did do... Um, I'm going to pull a Daniel. I'm going to play some Animal Crossing while we're recording the podcast. Okay, I don't have my no, we'll controller up What here, you doing? So. Well, I did draw... You probably don't remember it, but... Where is it? Ages ago... Oh. I did Picture draw... of uh, Clarence getting fucked by a reindeer? How'd you know? Did you see my image tumbler? <laughs> he got no, a, I... a reindeer laying an egg in his butt. No, many years ago, I drew this that I just sent you. Hello? Oh, uh... you just sent me the... Oh, wait, okay, yeah. Wait a second. I thought you just sent me the same. Oh yeah, I remember this. Yeah, you did a caricature. Uh, yeah, character of Jimmy Stewart as a 
Luigi. A football player guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not a character of... I did an old-timey Mario series where I did old movies and stuff with yeah. Mario characters as the characters. I did Luigi as Jimmy Stewart holding up his pants. Yeah. I mean, it's accurate. And again, yeah. it's the most old-timey version of a person in a movie ever because it's that old-timey football bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that was that. I got nothing else to say about it. It's fine yeah, whatever people like it, I, I love Christmas though I love that mm. movie even though mm -hmm. it has nothing to do with Christmas but yeah I need to watch more Jimmy Stewart stuff do we which uh, I mean I'm just that, that this is not me volunteering to do more stuff on the podcast because I guess Harvey because my dad liked it yeah no there's Harvey there's Vertigo was Jimmy oh, yeah, Stewart wait, in any other a... Hitchcock movies yeah north by wait was he no no i think that's I, Cary grant okay i get the two of them mixed up and which i guess Cary grant was... was the original person uh due to st uh, star in this which that would have been interesting because Cary grant's also the star of arsenic and old lace it would definitely mm -hmm. have been a different film i love Cary grant though but yeah i like i said i still love just the tiny little model world in this mm. movie but yeah i could totally see why other people even even the holiday stuff aside it is melodramatic, it's small schmaltzy, I can totally appreciate why anyone, this movie would bounce off. This is especially you, so. Thank you so much for sacrificing your time and energy to talk about this thing that I knew you weren't gonna like, but it was a little birthday gift to myself, because, like, yeah, it, it's... I had a good time. That's literally spent the last couple hours of my birthday last night watching this last night. Yeah. Uh, fondling the Happy Sesame birthday. Street Sega... Uh, Sega. <laughs> God, I need some <laughs> sugar in me. Uh, I was fond. I went to bed last night fondling the Sesame Street Lego set that you got for me. I was very adamant that no one do anything for my birthday this year. I went out of my way not to even really mention my birthday too much to anybody this year. But yeah, you still you hooked me up, so that was the one big birthday gift I got this year. So thank you very much. Yay! Yeah, is I, I I as much as I'm not big for getting gifts on my birthday. Some years, depending on what's going on, like a year like this, I'm definitely not expecting gifts from anybody. Mm. But I also try not to be like a bad recipient of gifts after I've told people not to, because I've seen other people do the thing of I don't want to do anything for my birthday. I don't want to. I don't want any gifts. <laughs> and then you get them a gift, and they still act like a cockass, and it's like what? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> How's he Ask doing? Ask for Lego Dimensions. Ask for. Are you guys playing Lego Dimensions? No, he found the the little platform that the characters go on. Oh, has he actually played that? Yeah. No. I don't know if he'd be into because he's just getting into Lego right now, right? It's alright. Uh, yeah, he's been. He loves taking apart and building. Do you like? Yeah, Legos? I don't know if the Lego part, like the yeah. actual video game part, would be interesting. I should let you go then. What? There's nothing to take apart. You can take the Lego sign off it if you can. But there's nothing to take apart on that. Is that the portal? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, we should finish this up, then. All right. So. <laughs> I was gonna say I was just trying to think about. So I just took a sip of coke and I was like, "How do I fill this dead air wall?" Well, no, the kids in the room, but yeah. So, so next, next week, what are we talking about? Cinderella. Hmm. Cinderella. Cinderella. Mm-hmm. Um. Have you seen Cinderella before? Watched... Yeah. I was yeah. It's say. been a long time since I watched back to back. Um. That is not the one. It's Sleeping Beauty with the three yes. fairies. This is with the yes. two Mises. The Mises, um, the godmother, and the cat. God, oh whatever. yeah, because there's the kind of like early, like fake wannabe Cruella de Vil. Not to Cruella, but like, I think it's the same lady who does the voice of Maleficent. 
was also the voice and the face model for the evil stepmother. I guess, we'll talk about that next week. But that and and the two mice. That's the only thing I know about that movie. Mm. That's the one with the color changing. No, and then the color, no, I'm still seeing the Sleeping Beauty. That's Sleeping the yeah, Beauty. color changing. Okay, yeah. So maybe I've not seen Cinderella. I mean, I've seen the thing where like the fucking fairy godmothers like makes the pumpkin carriage yeah, for a bit. Yeah, maybe I've not seen Cinderella before. Okay. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah, we'll find out next week as we yeah. talk about Disney's immortal not holiday classic, Cinderella. And if anyone has ideas for the second holiday uh, thing I could choose this year, which will be going up just a day or two before Christmas this year, uh, let me know. I already have an idea to maybe do Tokyo Godfathers, and in retrospect, I should have saved It's a Wonderful Life for like a day or two before Christmas, because that would have even, even been more seasonally appropriate, hitting that close to Christmas. But mm. Yeah, but if anyone else has any other ideas, since I've already done a movie that I already love for Christmas, it seems like it makes sense I would do another one for the next Christmas yeah. episode this year, but we'll come, come up and stuff. So. so he's muttering on Twitter, I'm the Grumpy Turtle on Twitter, Target Podcast, okay. Bill, welcome people buy your plants that you just put up. Oh, yeah, Fantastic I just put up another. I, I just, uh, if you go to mudredabigcartel.com, uh, uh, or imprint, I N P R N T, uh, imprint with only one I, uh, yeah, you'll see that I just uh, put up a whole bunch of new, a uh, half a dozen new Zelda prints. I am eventually going to hopefully have 10 Zelda prints out there. I need to create four more. Mm -hmm. uh, but and also by the time this episode goes live, I might have a new print based off of the Mandalorian mm -hmm. uh, that I was working on all this week. So we'll see. It's going to be a little thing with uh, Ahsoka and Baby Yoda. Nice. But yeah, go go check that shit out. I'm sure I'll be tweeting about that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you have nothing well, you want to pimp for yourself? I got nothing to pimp. What I got? This show is all I got. It's all I got. <laughs> it's all I got to survive. Without this show, I might as well just be throwing myself into a frozen river. Yeah, okay. Oh, uh, yeah. Just think about what the world would be like without you. That's that's the sound of this episode going. Sure. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. All right. Well. <laughs> okay. So long, everybody. Get out of here. I'll say, but this one just dropping this music from old, old Lang Syne there at the end. Okay. Perfect. Take care, guys. Right, we're the richest people in the podcasting industry. Because we're friends with each other. Yeah, that's not how that works. Oh. Okay. Although I did get a Lego set, Sesame Street Lego set. I feel very rich as a result of that. That's like tangible richness. That's yeah, yeah, you win. I love your, I, I value your friendship too, but I also got like a physical benefit from it. Yay! Okay, take care, guys. Okay, I'll